if if I got a, a message like that, I would be like, maybe maybe I read it wrong. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Like, maybe I don't know Morse code. Typo. <laughs> typo. Typo. <laughs> a typo in Morse code. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that just casually said that the doctor was dead. Yeah, you're like, hmm, that can't be right. Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 28-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And our fun fact is, have you ever gone to summer camp? Because Locke is invited to a summer camp this episode. And he turns it down, which is stupid. Yeah, and then he says, no, that's too uncool of me. <laughs> I don't want to. That's stupid. I, uh, I've i never been to summer camp, but I did go to a sleepaway camp once when I was like in Girl Guides. Is that? We did like a sleepaway camp. Is that Canadian Girl Scouts? <laughs> yes, it oh, is. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> Yeah. So I, and so I was a brownie. <laughs> that sounds, that just sounds like a brand they would have on Riverdale. Yeah. Girl Guide. Oh yeah. That's cute. Girl Guide. So like instead of Girl Scout cookies, ours is called Girl Guide cookies. Girl Guide cookies. No way. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I completely said it straight face because I forgot Girl Scouts was a thing. Oh my God. But there, I don't think there are any Boy Scouts. I don't know what it is for boys here. Interesting. Anyway, I I went to like brownie camp and I hated it. I can't even remember how oh. old I was, but it was horrible. Oh. I'm pretty sure I left early because I was like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. That's so sad. Why didn't you like it? <laughs> I don't know. I think like we had to like sleep in sleeping bags on the ground of like this like... <laughs> And, like, I don't think I like the food either. I was like, I'm spoiled. I do not deserve this. And I didn't even want to be a brownie either. So I was like, can I go? <laughs> this isn't fun for me. So, anyway, I guess I get that Locke didn't want to go, I guess. But I feel like science is more fun than Girl Guides because Girl Guides are, like, having to be, like, in nature and stuff. Mm-hmm. No thanks. Not for you. I get it. Not for me. Not for me. Well, Locke would have liked to be a girl guide. I mean, that's true. <laughs> it's true. He would have loved to be a girl guide. <laughs> Locke, the girl guide. Yeah. If yeah, his camp had involved girl guide stuff, he definitely would have gone. Yeah, absolutely. But no, only had stupid science. Mm-hmm. My name is Casey Wall. I'm a 26-year-old writer from Rhode Island. I like sapphic ships and collecting plants. You can follow me on Twitter, Serialized, and Letterboxd at CaseyWatchesTV. And I have never been to summer camp. My sister got to go. I didn't. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> yeah, the closest thing I ever got was like summer camps for dance, but like they weren't camps. They were just mm -hmm. dancing in the summer, but it was advertised right? as <laughs> summer camp. Yeah, but then you go home. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if I'm making this up. I don't think I am, but also maybe I am. I feel like there was a summer camp at the zoo where you could like, sleep overnight at the zoo and i really wanted to Ooh. go to that but again that sounds pretty cool never did so yeah wow i wish that had worked out for you thank you i mean i think it did really come to you know shape me as a person you know the right, fact that i right. never went to a formal summer camp yeah and i'm really sorry that happened thank you or, th or that it didn't happen. Thank you. Yeah, more accurately. <laughs> uh, and our guest this episode is Maria! Yay! Hello! Yay! Last pod legend! Oh, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'm Maria. I am from Puerto Rico. I'm 26 years old. And I... What, what was the question? <laughs> There's many questions. <laughs> what, are, what are the questions? 
Uh, okay, so first of all, there's your relationship to the show. Okay, yeah. And your favorite characters. My favorite characters are Locke and Juliet, are like top mm-hmm. two up there. Yeah. And I also love Desmond Sawyer, Richard, Sun, Jin, many others. And I've just, I've loved, uh, I've loved this show, like, almost my entire life. So it's very, very, very special to me. And, uh, what was the other question? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been to summer camp? Oh, summer camp. Um, <laughs> yes. Kind of, well, yeah, I think it, I consider it summer camp. Uh, my dad uh-huh. used to work at a bank, and this bank had like their own summer camp. I guess for like the kids mm-hmm. of the people that work there. Oh, fun! <laughs> That's <laughs> bank <laughs> camp. <laughs> Does your guys play with like mini ATM machines or something? No. You just played Monopoly all day. No, 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 no. It was actually pretty cool because it was a this really big building, and they just had like like sleepovers and movie nights and talent shows mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of sports, like every sport imaginable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. I guess I guess I didn't really think about it because like. I have never been to summer camp as a camper, but I was like, a. I don't even know if I would, I'm not even technically a camp counselor. I was like a camp supervisor for a sleepaway camp and I slept at the camp. Does that count? I would say so. I think it counts. Okay. I wasn't a kid. I think if you slept somewhere that wasn't your house, it was. Yeah. Yeah. At a summer camp. Okay. Well then I was a camp supervisor at film camp at my oh that's cool at my my college and then they hired me from film school to be the supervisor and so i would go and like wake up the kids knock 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 make sure they're (laughs) awake and like take them to breakfast that's so cute i will say yeah so like no i never went to camp but my two best friends growing up two sisters like Mm -hmm. they they were just so much more fun than I was and like their house was so much more fun because they had like Mm. a huge backyard they had like a huge empty street that we could like ride our bikes down and stuff and we played Mm -hmm. tennis and we made a lemonade stand so like every summer like I would just spend days on end there and when my mom would Mm -hmm. pick me up she would like say goodbye to Camp Wilcox because like that was their last name (laughs) Wilcox yeah so I guess that was kind of my summer yeah 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 and this is all relevant because it's episodes called cabin fever and so probably cabins yeah at a summer camp association I also worked at a summer camp now now that I think about it like because my sister my sister used to own like a tutoring center slash summer camps like during the summer they Uh would just you know and I worked on both like I was a tutor and then during the summer I was like a supervisor I guess for the camp Mm -hmm. and so I did that for like three years that's so fun <laughs> and all of this our listeners are listening to in december I hope y'all are enjoying <laughs> the romanticization of summer, summer. because well, i know now that we're currently in summer i'm like oh remember christmas time oh so cozy and then when it's christmas time i'm gonna be like oh i wish it was summer because i can never win <laughs> you know i am never craving summer i'm only ever craving oh, fall absolutely wow oh yeah sure, sure i sure. hate summer yeah yeah (laughs) not a thing it is so hot it's true it's true so hot it's insane but i don't have to work which i like oh that is nice oh that's true me neither me neither i don't i I have a i work at a school i forgot to say that Mm -hmm. so i work at a school and so i have a um i'm I'm like their social media manager photographer video editor everything I do a lot of things. That is so cool. What is your um what's your age range that you Oh, from like it's a it's like all grades from like 2 years old to oh. 12th grade. Wow. Oh wow, cool. It's a full school, yeah. So uh, I also work at a school. Everyone's like <laughs> shut up talking, stop talking about it, Robin. <laughs> it's true. I'm surrounded by by school workers here. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, yesterday, as we're recording, is like the first day that the kids were back for summer. And I was like, or from summer. And I was like, I missed my friends so much. Aww. They're all 12, but I love them. <laughs> but they're your friends. They're my friends. I'm so happy you're back with them. Me too. Maria, where can people follow you if they want to? You can follow me at, on Twitter or X, whatever it's called now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> at Juliet Burke. It's Juliet S. Burke. And then on Instagram at Dharma Stark. Mm-hmm. Oh, you always have the best names. It's true. Thank you. She's an innovator. <laughs> You're like, yes. I've always wanted, for the longest time, I wanted the, for Instagram, the username Oceanics. And I, uh-huh. I can't, like, it's inactive. It's a really old account that it's Ugh, inactive. I and I can't get my hands on that username. Ugh, get rid of it. <laughs> so annoying. Today, we have words to say about episode 411 of Lost, Cabin Fever. Yes. So the title of the episode refers back to the heightened case of cabin fever that some members of the Kahana crew have been getting. That was said, I think, by Galt in uh, in Ji-yun. Oh, right. I wasn't even thinking that. <laughs> Obviously, Jacob's cabin and how we're, like, yeah. searching for it. So mm-hmm. relevant to, oh my gosh, relevant to the freighter storyline, <laughs> relevant to the island storyline, relevant to the flashbacks. <laughs> wow. Because. Because Locke wants to go to summer, or he doesn't want to go to summer camp. So it's all relevant across the board. But cabin fever as a concept is the distressing claustrophobic irritability or restlessness experienced when a person or group is stuck at an isolated location or in confined quarters for an extended time. A person may be referred to as stir crazy, which is also like another word for having cabin fever. Wow, that sounds like really familiar, you guys. I feel hmm. like we kind of went through something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hmm. a couple of years ago, I feel like it's I'm a little removed from it now. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, COVID's over. So yeah. fever dream. Oh, it's all done. <laughs> yeah, all done. All wrapped up. So the broadcast date was May 8th, 2008. It was written by Elizabeth Sarnoff and Kyle Pennington. Kyle, this is the first episode that he has a writing credit for. And his only other writing credit on this show is Le Fleur, which is weirdly enough. Wow. Maria's next episode in season five. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, wow. So you're a Kyle stan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we had another person who had called Lafleur, and then uh, I was getting a hold of people and they were like, actually, no, uh, uh, that's okay. I don't have to do it anymore. And I was like, oh, okay. So we're going <laughs> to off that to Maria now. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what episode I had for season five. Yeah. It was something else. Yeah, I think my guess is I'm pretty sure it was like follow the leader. Oh, yeah. Down right at the end. Because be. we wanted to get you a Richard episode. Yeah. But then we ended up getting you Abiturno in season six. So. Yeah. We're good to go. Now you you had you had a Juliet episode, a Locke episode, and now uh, also a Richard episode too. So you're good across the board. I feel like incredible. Also, I would <laughs> consider I would like consider this kind of a Richard episode too. Kind of is, yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, not in yeah. Portland was also like I've I've had Richard in almost everything. Yeah, you're lucky. <laughs> Wait, I definitely recorded not in Portland. We've definitely recorded together. No, you did not. You did not. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> did. <That> was- <laughs> Uh, Casey, no, you didn't. That was Brittany. <laughs> no, but I was definitely there too. Wasn't I? No, I- s- No! Okay, I'm having major Mandela effect now. I swear I talked about Juliet. No, Casey, there's another- <laughs> Maybe you were there in spirit. <laughs> Casey, there's two Juliet episodes in season three. I know there are two Juliet episodes, but I swear I talked about that one. Did I not? Well, in- in- one of us, I believe, which is the other one, is the episode where it was me, you, and Brittany, and we switched. Uh, no, I know, and, and and Rachel's there, and yada yada. But no, I sw- I swear. Wait, now I don't. Casey, know. no. <laughs> 
Are you sure? I mean, now I guess I'm going, you've got me going back too, but I'm pretty sure you have no credit in the description of that podcast. Was I not? I feel like I specifically remember talking about her drinking the orange juice. Okay, I found it. The way you went, Casey, no. Let's see, Robin is credited. Yep, I was there. Yes. Robin is credited. Yep, yeah, I was there. Uh, Brittany is credited. Yep, because she was there. Guest Maria is credited. Hmm, I don't see Casey's name in here. Oh my, no. This is ho- Casey, I think you made it up. I swear. I swear. I talked about her you know drinking what? the orange juice. You know what? I believe you because I do. I have. I have. That was in one of us. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Wait, what? It is. No. That, that happens. It's just not in that episode. Oh. <laughs> no, okay. I see what happened. I see what happened here. So she says goodbye to Rachel, I think, at the end of I see what happened here. Yeah. I, I you were committed. My brain is so fried. <laughs> you were committed. I was fully ready to gaslight you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I, w- I refused to be gaslight gaslit. I said no. You, you said Casey, no, and I should have listened. <laughs> Robin had the evidence right in front of her face. <laughs> yeah. If I have learned anything in being friends with Robin, it should be to not question her memory. <laughs> Especially when I know I have a terrible memory. I was like, man, dude, you were not there. I'm so sorry, bro. <laughs> I guess I just, I listened to them all so intensely that I felt like I was there, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which I, I I love, and I think that's wonderful. Sometimes I, okay. And I'm really sorry. Sometimes I listen to this podcast and I feel like I'm, in it and i started like talking mm-hmm. to myself like i'm like oh, I'm yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. before i was ever a co-host i would straight up play the podcasts in my car and be like oh yeah good point robin <laughs> literally that's me <laughs> so funny Brittany. i want to hear when you guys think i do a good point because i do a good point and then i give myself a high five <laughs> but that's all i ever get you know <laughs> Well, if you're giving yourself a high five, just know that someone else out there is also giving you a high five and saying, yeah. good point, Robin. Damn, I hope so. I'm really sorry that this happened, Casey, because this basically feels exactly like the summer camp thing you went through, which is <laughs> that God. you wanted to be there, but you weren't. <laughs> oh I just, I I don't, I don't know what to say for myself. Uh, it's okay, Casey. We Let's continue on and forget I ever said anything. Anyway, the episode was directed by Paul Edwards as well. So shout out to our guy, Paul. Um, hope he's a good guy. Actually, I just said that without knowing. <laughs> I'm you sure know, he's fine. Can't be sure. We could never be sure. Who knows at this point? Uh, as for fun facts about the episode in general, um, this is the first episode since DOC and the very last in the entire show to solely feature pre-crash flashbacks of an Oceanic 815 survivor. Wow. However, it does not feature a singular narrative, but rather multiple events throughout Locke's life. It's the only episode of season four to feature only pre-crash flashbacks from an Oceanic 815 survivor, as the other 815 survivors to receive flashbacks, Jin and Michael either had only post-crash flashbacks, like Michael, or shared the episode with a flash forward, which would be Jin. Um, So this episode is very special um, that we have gone away from the flash forward that we've been doing, and we are going uh, straight back to what we have usually done, except it's like sort of in the greatest hits vibe where we're seeing multiple instances rather than a single narrative. 
I love it. It's so good. It's mm-hmm. so fun. Um, I love when they like change it up. It's very cool. This is the last Locke-centric episode to not start with the word the. Every other Locke episode oh. that happens for the rest of the show starts with the. Um, and this is the first episode with four actors portraying one character in the same episode. Um, we have Terry O'Quinn, um, and then we have Teen Locke and a uh, uh, little five-year-old Locke, and then we also have uncredited infant. <laughs> the baby. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, who's the fourth? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry to this uncredited infant. Uh, so yeah, um, I'm really excited to get started. I've been thinking about this all week because I feel like I have so much to say about this episode. It's like I sit down to do my notes and sometimes they just keep coming. I just find- And I'm like, is this overkill? I just find the flashback so fascinating. Like I remember watching this- Yes, oh my gosh. As a kid, this episode used to scare me like a lot as a kid. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know what? The freighter stuff is kind of scary too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. But what, what was like the scariest part for you? Uh, it, every like the... Richard was being a creep. Oh, yes. <laughs> like he's the first time he shows up, like looking through the window, that was scary to me. Mm-hmm. The the Horus dream that logged. Oh, sure. Yeah. God, it was so scary to me. Like the, like the loop. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And the way that he, like, we'll talk about it, but the way that he, like, delivers the hello there line. Yeah. Freaked me out so bad. And then this. Ooh, spooky. And then the, just the scene in the cabin. Like, everything with the cabin always scared me. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's more, but, like, yeah. And now here you are. And now here I am. And it's one of my favorite. Yeah. It's, I, I think this could easily be, so, I, in my top ten episodes of the show. Yeah. It is a good episode. And so, I know that objectively, The Constant is the best episode of season four. Yeah. But this one is my yeah. favorite. Like, there's a difference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, right. And that's totally fair. Like, I feel like if anybody handed me their top 10 episodes, I could be like, that's valid. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No matter what was on it. You know what I mean? Well, if there was Stranger yeah. in a Strange Unless Land Stranger in a Strange Land was on it. <laughs> I have well, questions. I was going to say either Stranger uh, on a Strange Land or Fire. Or Further Instructions. Oh, no. That, that's a lock episode. I can't hate it. Okay, fair. But Fire plus Water. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. there'd have to be a lot of yeah, justification yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, you guys, this is, like, a crazy episode because usually we have, like, an A storyline, which is about the person whose flashbacks are, like, getting told, and, like, a B storyline, which is, like, a much shorter storyline. And sometimes a C storyline, even. But I would say that, like, this episode, when the B storyline is an A storyline, you know you're, you've got a crazy episode on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Because the stuff that happens on the freighter is a lot of things. So I was wondering, I feel like I almost have, I feel like it, I'm not sure if it's longer, but I definitely have more things to say about the freighter storyline, but we usually do like B storyline and then A storyline and then flashbacks. Would you guys rather do the jungle cabin stuff before or after the freighter stuff? Let's kick it off with jungle. Okay. 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 Yeah, I really don't mind. Okay, let's do it. I was just going to take with whatever you guys felt in your soul. I don't really know. (laughs) Okay. I don't think I have a preference, so... Okay, we'll talk about Locke, and then we'll take a little break. Okay. Oh, sure. And then we'll talk about Locke again. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. A little Locke sandwich. Perfect. Yes, exactly. A Locke sandwich. Beautiful. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, okay, so jungle first. So I am going to do my recap of the jungle storyline. Hem, hem. Let me pet my dog for self, uh, self-comfort. self Hold give on. Him, give him pets from me, please. Okay, here you go. This is from Casey Dilly Willie. He's like, ah, yes, those are different pets. Ah, uh, yes, I accept them, he says. I'm actually asleep, and so this means nothing to Aww. me. <laughs> okay. Locke, Hurley, and Ben walk through the jungle. 
Hurley asks how much longer, but Ben says he was following Hurley since he's the last one to have seen the cabin. Locke says they'll just make camp and keep going tomorrow. In the morning, Locke wakes and finds Horace Goodspeed chopping down a tree. He tells John that he works for the Dharma Initiative and he's building a place for him and his wife. He tells John to find him and John wakes up. He knows where to go now. He leads the group to the pit where the Dharma people were all thrown after the purge. Locke tells Hurley that Ben killed them all. Locke goes down and searches the bodies, looking for Horace. Ben explains to Hurley that he didn't personally decide to kill them all, the leader of the others did, and he hasn't always been the leader. Locke finds Horace's body, and inside his pocket are blueprints and a map to the cabin. Locke tells Hurley that he can go back to the beach now if he wants, but Hurley elects to stay with them. Ben clocks that John just manipulated Hurley into staying, but John says he didn't. Once they find the cabin, Ben and Hurley don't want to go in, so Locke heads in alone. Inside, he finds Christian Shepherd, who explains that he isn't Jacob, but he can speak for him. Claire is also there, and she's just hanging out with her dad. When Locke exits, he tells Ben and Hurley that to save the island, they need to move the island. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Obviously. It's the only logical solution. Of course. What a crazy line to end the episode. Yeah, absolutely. Watching that for the first time is like, what do you mean, move the island? Yeah, and going into a three-part finale, too. Oh, I know. You know, like, ugh, yeah. Move the island. Mm -hmm. They're like, okie dokie then. And I mean, having seen all of the flash forwards, too, you're just like, well, how did, how are they hiding the island? How are they hiding all of these, you know, they're like, they're lying and how is it so believable? And so that it's sort of like, even answers something, even though it gives you a million more questions. So, yeah, so good. So Locke, Hurley, and Ben are walking through the jungle at night. And Hurley says, hey, who builds a cabin in the middle of the jungle? I feel like that's inconvenient (laughs) (laughs) to have to come out here every time you want to go. But okay, sure. And Locke is like, so true. Good question, Hurley. Very valid question. (laughs) And Hurley's like, would you like to answer it? (laughs) Locke's like, oh, sorry, I don't know. (laughs) He's like, I didn't build it. What? I don't know. So Hurley says, why are we going there? And Locke says, hopefully to get more information about these people. Uh, Hurley says, Kate, when are we going to get there? And Ben goes, I don't know. I've been following Hurley. And Hurley's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I haven't been going. What? I don't know. I haven't been going anywhere. She's like, I wasn't even on front. I love that line. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There's so many good lines. I I picked out like four good lines in this episode and I couldn't even choose my own favorite line award because I was like, I need to see what Casey and Maria are going to pick first because like (laughs) there's so many good ones and I'm like, if someone doesn't pick this one, I need to take that one and everything. And luckily you guys took like the two that I was like, someone has to have these. You know, and so I was able to take the funny one, which was Hurley going, I'm not even in front. How are you following me? Oh, it was so good. It was so good. Yeah. And Ben's just like, like, Hurley's just been, who knows? Who knows what happened? Anyway. So Ben's like, I was following you because you were the last one who saw it. And this is like Three Stooges business. Like, it's so dumb. This is so funny. It's so dumb. To be fair on Ben, he was literally last. Yeah. (laughs) You know? That's true. Like, How are they following Ben? Yeah, that's a solid point. Like, Locke thought he was following Ben? There's no logic here. How was the guy tailing behind? This is on Locke a little bit. Leading the way. Where was Locke going? Yeah, yeah. Locke Locke is the one with a torch. Like, you'd think, yeah. Come on, dude. (laughs) You have the light. Yeah, and he's in front. He's the one who's in front. Oh, God. Did he just, like, start walking forward and hoped that Ben was going to say, take a left (laughs) at some point? Like, this is why communication is so important, people. So true. So true. Otherwise, you're just going to walk and not know where you're going. (laughs) Forever. Just in a circle. Yeah. So Ben goes, okay, what are we going to do now, John? And Locke says, let's just make camp and then it'll be light out. That whatever. And Hurley says, okay, we're going to go to sleep in the dark with the monster and also Ben. That's so fair. (laughs) Great. Yeah. Like, what happens? Like, you could could never catch me just 
sleeping in the middle of the jungle. (laughs) Like, what? I know. The fact that they've had to keep doing that and I'm just like, you know what? All the power to you. (laughs) Not going to be me. Some weird animal's going to scurry across my face at night and (laughs) I'm just going to have to die. Yep. So Hurley's like, what happens when all those guys come back? And Locke is like, I don't know yet, but soon I will know. And Hurley's like, this is so comforting. (laughs) Thank you. I love sassy Hurley. He like deserves to be sassy sometimes. You know what I mean? He does. Of course. Yeah. Look at the thing they're putting him through. Like. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. He's like, I didn't even ask to be here. Literally. You're forcing me to come. I wanted to go hang out with my friend Claire and her little baby. Even Locke says, I brought you here at gunpoint. Yeah, exactly. So in the morning, uh, we get a shot of Locke's eye. And I like this because uh, he's waking up and obviously this part is a dream. But then when he wakes up later, we also get the exact same shot. Mm. Which was very cool. So Locke hears a tree being chopped down. So he goes to investigate. Just a trigger warning, you guys. Um, If you're a child like Maria, this scene is really scary. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it was. So I was like, oh my God, what, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Hope you guys are going to be okay with this. So it's Horace in his like Dharma jumpsuit. And we know him and Ben would know him, but Locke definitely doesn't know him. Like he's just some guy. I have a fun fact. Please tell me. Well, I was just curious because, you know, I was just like, yeah, the show is sometimes like intentional with names and stuff. And yeah. I was like, what does Horace mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, please. It means... <clears throat> it comes from the Latin Horatius, mm-hmm. which you might recognize from Hamlet. Uh, Horatio, but yeah. Oh, yeah, that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have an English degree. It's fine. Great. It means timekeeper or keeper of the hours. Ah. So. Ooh, that's very cool. So. Yeah. And so that's his first name. And then we also get him saying Godspeed to John. Godspeed. Yeah. Oh, shit. That's yeah, right. With, and his, his last With his last name being Goodspeed. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Food I love when thought. they're intentional with names. Food for thought. Um, also, uh, just just rewinding a little bit. Um, <laughs> I meant to say if you're a child when Maria was like like Maria was, but instead it came out like Maria is currently a child, <laughs> and that's my bad. <laughs> I meant in the past. My be you guys. Moving on. <sighs> Disclaimer: Maria is an adult. <laughs> Maria is a as a full adult. Yes. I would like to think that I'm not, but I am. Yes. Oh my gosh. Have you guys seen the, yeah, those things where you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm about to graduate college. How am I doing this at 16? <laughs> <laughs> Me. Yeah. <laughs> you're fully, fully in your 20s. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So uh, uh, Locke has no idea who freaking Horace is. And Horace is like, oh, hello. And Locke's like, hey, who are you? And if I was Horace, I'd be like, how about hi back? <laughs> That's so you're rude. so rude. I said hi. And you said, who are you? How about hi? Thanks. So he says, I'm Horace and I'm building a place for me and my wife. And Locke's face in this scene always makes me laugh because he's like, uh, what? (laughs) His face. Because he doesn't know that it's a dream. His face throughout that entire scene. He couldn't be more confused. (laughs) He's like, um, we're in the middle of a deserted island. (laughs) And he like sees this guy in the Dharma Initiative jumpsuit and is like, wait, is this guy actually in the Dharma Initiative and building a cabin or building a place for his wife? For real? Okay. He was trying to connect the dots. So, you know, stranger things yeah. have happened. Yeah. So true. So he's like, sometimes you just need a break from the Dharma Initiative. Wait, Locke, does this not make sense to you, you idiot? <laughs> <laughs> Probably because I've been dead for 12 years. Yes. Hello there. Who are you? I'm Horace. Who? What are you doing out here? Oh, building a place. A little getaway for me and the missus. No, I mean, 
Sometimes you need a break from the DI, you know? The Dharma Initiative? <laughs> I'm not making any sense, am I? No. That's probably because I've been dead for 12 years. I'm not gonna say who killed me. It's a secret. But I did! It happened. So then he has his bloody nose, which is sort of also a theme on this show, I feel like, the bloody mm -hmm. nose. It's, like I said in the constant, the universal sign for uh-oh brain problems. So he says, John, you need to find me, and then you'll find Jacob. And Jacob's been waiting for you for a very long time. And a little detail that I noticed in this scene is that underneath his um, jumpsuit, he's wearing a tie-dye shirt. Really? <laughs> Yes, which is like... Very 70s, yeah. Very 70s of him, I'm just saying. Yes, yeah. yeah. And then he restarts the same scene, starting over. That's so creepy. My God. Yes, it is creepy. Was, uh, as I have said multiple times, I'm rewatching the show with my parents, and I was watching with my dad, and my dad goes, uh, <laughs> that's the same tree. <laughs> <laughs> he well, thought yes. that he caught a continuity mistake no. and i was like i'm sorry dad <laughs> he's like why are they they're chopping down the same tree and i'm like yeah correct they are indeed they are <laughs> yes <laughs> neil so perceptive that's the same tree <laughs> yeah yeah so on lostpedia it said horace repeatedly chopping down the tree which continually reappears as well as his repetition of his name and other phrases are reminiscent of residual style hauntings in which memories of events play themselves over and over in a specific place mm -hmm. so hey you're right that's creepy that's really creepy thank you maria's right this is a this is a horror episode yeah it's totally scary for sure yeah it does give me horror vibes. Like, straight up nightmare. Yeah. It, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a death loop. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, this obviously isn't the place where the cabin was built, <laughs> but like, I don't know. It's like, it's it's not happening while Locke is awake, but it, it still is possible that Horace is like haunting that space, you know? Ooh, yeah. spooky. Ooh, creepy. <laughs> so Locke wakes up from the dream and it's a classic Locke dream, you know, and uh, Ben is already awake and just waiting for them to get up. <laughs> He's just sitting there. <laughs> Checks out. Just waiting. Locke wakes up Hurley, who's dreaming about candy. Of course. Totally get it. Absolutely, uh, absolutely tracks. Um, and Locke says, Kate, we're going. And Hurley says, but we don't know where to go. And Locke's like, now I do. And Ben says, mm, I used to get those dreams. And he's mad. That was so funny to me, just the way that he said that. Like, mm -hmm. obviously he's lying, right? Like, do we think he was lying? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I didn't really think about it. I didn't really think about it, but yeah. Because what I, what I thought was that he, like, Ben is always, like, trying to let people think that he knows things. That, like, he mm -hmm. can communicate with Jacob, that he, like, is special. He was born on the island. But none of that is true. Like, he doesn't really know anything. <laughs> so I, I, yeah. I don't know if the island would actually give him visions. Well, okay, so technically what he does say is, I used to have dreams. And I took it as he used to get, like, those special dreams. But I wonder if he straight up just doesn't have any dreams now. I, I was... Mm. Not even the special ones. I'm trying to think if what I was going to say is a spoiler, because I don't remember if this scene has already happened yet. <laughs> okay, what do you, what is it? And I'll tell you. Like, both of them in the cabin, and, like, uh, Ben, tr tr like, makes it seem like he's talking to Jacob, but there's, like... The yeah, that happened in uh, Man Behind the Curtain. Yeah, you're good. Okay, yes, right. So, like, we know that he can't even see Jacob in the cabin or, like, anyone in the cabin. Yeah. Like, he made it up. So I don't mm -hmm. think we have proof that Ben has ever been, like, connected to the island in the way Locke is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he could have just been saying stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he do just be saying stuff. Yeah. He do just be saying stuff. Yeah. And, like, Ben goes, I used to have dreams. And everyone looks over at him, like, okay, cute fun fact about you, I guess. Like, 
Anyway, <laughs> on. Poor Ben. Poor Ben. Full murderer. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Never mind. So they're walking through the jungle and Hurley's like, why am I here also? Like, it seems like I've done a hard nothing. Yep, that's fair. <laughs> can I, like, what's happening? And Locke says, because you can see the cabin, so you're special. And Hurley's like, okay, here's my theory on why that is. It's because we're the craziest people here. And Locke looks at him like, uh, hey, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not crazy. And so they're like, how do you, how did you learn where it is? And he says, I still don't, don't actually know. But either way, we're going, wait, how did you learn where it is? Oh, like, how did you learn where, like, I think it, it's Hurley who asks, how did you learn where it is? And it's like through Locke's dream. But he says, I still don't actually know where it is. We have to go somewhere else first is what's happening. Yeah. So they're like, what happened to the Dharma people? There would have been like at least a hundred of them. Right. So he leads them to the pit where Locke was shot and left for dead. Mm -hmm. And Hurley's like, what happened to these people? And Locke, iconic, says he did. He bends over. (laughs) We zoom or like we, we, we rack focus to Ben and Ben like looks. It's so good. It's iconic. So freaking good. That was going to be my favorite line of words. Iconic moment. Iconic delivery. Iconic shot. Literally amazing. Ben's face made me laugh because it's Mm -hmm. he just looks (laughs) <laughs> in shock of like affronted how, like how dare you say that <laughs> like tell like early he's like huh uh, why you say that that's not fair oh and the music oh it's so good like i i literally i can't even put into words how much i love that moment i love that moment so much yep it's so good so good so good so Locke is down in the pit and he's searching the bodies and hurley asks what is going on and ben shrugs and i think that's true I don't think he knows. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, no. I don't think Ben has any idea what Locke's trying to do. He looks like a little kid. He's like sitting down with a rifle in his lap and he's just like twirling his his legs. Like, I don't know, kicking his feet. He is a kid with a rifle. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, I can't do anything right now. Yep. Cannot be helpful. So Hurley says, so this is where you tried to kill Locke. And Ben's like, yep, right here where you're standing. Probably should have known it wouldn't work. And Hurley just sort of goes, ew. And like steps back. back. He's like, this spot has bad vibes. Bad vibes. Yeah, I don't want it. And so Hurley says, is that why you also killed all of these people? And Men's like, I didn't kill them. How dare you? <laughs> uh <laughs> Bud. Okay. Um, I don't know about that. So he says, like, yeah, the others killed them, but it wasn't up to me. I didn't decide. The leader did. And Hurley goes, and that was not you? And he goes, Yeah, no, it was not always me, which we'll talk about in the spoiler section. Mm-hmm. Uh, Locke finds Horace's body uh, because he has the name tag on it. And Ben's face when he sees that it's he is Horace who he was searching for. Like, Ben liked Horace, you know? Ben was, like, friends with Horace and he, like, respected Horace, I think. So I think he's, like, very, very shocked mm-hmm. that uh, that it's Horace who he was looking for. So in his pocket, he finds the blueprints for the cabin. And so does this mean that he was going to build it when he died or that he already built it or he was in the process of building it? Like, why do you guys think that Horace had these blueprints on him when he died? I think he was going to build it. But it's already built. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe he was like finishing it off. Like it's it's almost done and then he died. It's almost creepier to think that he never got around to building it and it just like appeared somehow. Oh God. Yeah. And then there was no way of building it yeah. if he had the, the blueprints. So like, yeah. Who, who did it? I don't think we had, we definitely don't have like an answer mm-hmm. as to, as far as I know, I don't, as far as I, my memory serves, we no. don't have an answer about this. I always just thought he was Horace. Yeah. But so Locke has found what he was looking for. Mm-hmm. So Locke using the blueprints to find the cabin. And I guess there's like a map 
portion of the blueprints um, to find where it is on the island. Um, but it seems to move too, so it's like, I'm not sure how accurate the map is at any given time, but yeah. it's definitely accurate for right now, so that's fine. Hurley comes and gives them both water, which is like, once again, like Miles said a couple episodes ago, he's just like, yeah, he was like literally trapped it, like, your prisoner, and now he's, like, your friend and buddy, and he's, like, eating dinner with you guys, so, like... And, like, now Hurley, like, is straight up just handing Ben a bottle of water, like, he's <laughs> just their friend now. <laughs> one of us. Which, all right. Yeah, one of us, exactly. So, Locke tells Hurley how to get back to the beach, and he's like, I forced you to come, and I'm sorry, but, like, you don't have to stay anymore, it's okay. And Hurley's like, okay, so you just don't need me now? And I... I'm so uh, conflicted by the scene. I am, it is really unclear to me if Locke was trying to manipulate Hurley or not. Yeah, I don't think we're supposed to know. Yeah, okay. I think it's supposed to be open-ended. Yeah. And I think Terry does a good job about that. Yes, I think we're supposed to like see it from both perspectives. Mm-hmm. Because I was originally like, no, no, I don't think that he's doing that. I, I think that he just knows that Hurley wanted to go with Sawyer, probably. But like also, really, like why would Locke want Hurley to come? Yeah. Like, there's really no reason. What do they need him for now, really? Yeah, there's no reason. So yeah. I would like to think that he was just being nice. I do too, because also, like Hurley said, like, hey, we're kind of here with Ben. And Ben is kind of, like, scary. My dog's gonna bark because I think my aunt is home. Just a heads up. Okay. That's gonna happen. Yeah, because I... Th what was I saying? Hurley. Hurley. I forgot. Hurley. <laughs> End of sentence. Yes. What did you just say? Oh my god. Good thing it's recorded <laughs> so that we, we don't have to remember. Um, okay, Hurley Hurley wanted to go with Sawyer. Probably wanted to go to... Okay, whatever. I'm going to move on. Oh, oh, because he Hurley said that Ben was like scary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, because I feel like uh, Locke also feels like he doesn't have to put Hurley in a compromising position in danger. Especially because Sawyer said, if you ha get Hurley hurt, I will kill you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so he probably is like... It's probably probably safer for Hurley to go back to the beach than stay here. And I only want to put myself in danger instead of also Hurley. Yeah, I, I think he was like, he meant it. But I can, I can also see why Ben would think that he was being manipulative. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Locke says, I'm letting you go so that you don't get hurt when you didn't even want to be here. And Hurley says, you think I'm going to be safer walking in this jungle at night? Like, no, I'll, I'll stay with you guys. And then Ben's like, I'm really impressed um, because now he actually thinks that he got to choose to stay instead of you manipulating him into staying. And Locke goes, I'm not you. And Ben's like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> obviously you're not. Um, but I was always under the impression that he didn't do it on purpose and he was just being nice. Yeah. It's going to be dark soon, Hugo. If you head that way, you'll hit the coast, and all you have to do is take it north until you reach our beach. Uh, what? I forced you to come with us at gunpoint, and I'm sorry, Hugo, but I was led to believe that we needed you to find this place. Oh, I get it. Now you got your magic map, you don't, you don't need me anymore. I'm offering you a chance to leave. I don't want to put you in harm's way against your will. You think walking through the jungle at night by myself is going to be any safer? I'm not sure it is. I think I'll stick with you guys. This way. What? He actually thinks staying was his idea. Not bad, John. Not bad at all. I'm not you. You're certainly not. But, you know, 
that everybody has different opinions on Locke, you know. We, from episode to episode, have people being like, Locke's my favorite character, and I don't really care for Locke. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I mm-hmm. think it... So I feel like it's... It depends. Yeah, it's open-ended based on what you think of Locke, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. So they're walking through the night, and Locke says it's about 200 yards away, and Ben says, well, are you sure? What if it moved again? <laughs> what if it moved again, Locke? <laughs> <laughs> and Locke says, well, it hasn't, because I they the island told me this is where it would be, so we're good. And Ben says... I love your impression of, impression of Ben. <laughs> That's what he is all episode. He's like, well, whatever, Locke. <laughs> like, he's such a... He's a child he's... with a rifle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's like, well, I've been told things by the island before, that I was chosen, that I was special. Here he goes again. And I'm like, mm, I don't know about that but okay and just like oh how the tables have turned because last season he played all these mind games about this with john you know john's (laughs) like well i thought i was special and ben goes well everybody makes mistakes john i wish john had been like everybody (laughs) makes mistakes ben (laughs) and stuck his tongue out at him i think that would have been funny (laughs) and so ben's like then i got cancer and my daughter died because of me which is interesting because he was like he acts like it was all Widmore's fault and he like goes to Widmore and is like, you killed my daughter. And Widmore is like, no, you killed your daughter, you know? Mm-hmm. But he says my daughter's blood all over my hands, which implies that he does in fact like blame himself or at least yeah. have a little bit of guilt from it. Yeah. yeah. Though he did hold her. He had blood, like her blood on his hands. Literally. Yes. Right. Yes, literally. True, true, true. So Locke goes, well, I am sorry that that happened. And Ben says, it had to happen. It was my destiny. But there are consequences to being special because, iconic line, Destiny John is a fickle bitch. Mm. Yeah. I, so good. Yep. Truly an iconic Ben line. Truly. Yep. And I, I I love that whole, like, conversation in general about, like, consequences. Mm-hmm. It's like being chosen yeah. and stuff. And, like, are you actually being chosen? Is it not, like, just in your head? Like, Yeah. Like, who knows? But they have, they've made it to the cabin. And Locke's like, Kate, let's go. And Ben's like, no, no, that's all you. And he says his time is over and the island has made that very clear. And Hurley says, yeah, I also don't want to go <laughs> because uh, it's really creepy. Um, I know you didn't ask me if I wanted to go in, but I don't. Yeah, they just left him. So. And Hurley's never been in the cabin. He just like went outside it and then ran away from it. You know, <laughs> he's like, I'm not going in there. So Locke lights the lantern that's outside and he takes it in. And there's a man inside. And I can't help but imagine, like, Claire and Christian just, like, giggling <laughs> inside before John comes in. Like, oh my gosh, shh, shh, shh. And it's like a surprise party. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's going to come in. Yep, I'm going to try and trick vibe. him and think I'm Jacob. Yeah. It's funny because, like, Claire is is sitting there while Locke and, yeah. and, and Christian are talking. And Holy. she's just, like, waiting for her moment to, like, chip mm-hmm. in. If she had never, if he hadn't, like, noticed and she hadn't, like, moved a little bit so that he had, like, heard that somebody else was there, I wonder if he would ever have known that she was there or if she would have just sat there. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Which is also kind of creepy, to your point. Yes. Little Maria. This whole episode is creepy. Is that, like, (laughs) Claire has been, like, (laughs) Little Maria, Little Maria. Listen, I was 11. Yeah. Well... For sure. Like, Claire seems to have been, like, brainwashed or something. Yes, I I wrote that down. I literally wrote the word brainwashed. Because I was, like, just the way that she's acting, she's just vibing there, smiling, Mm -hmm. not caring about Aaron or about anybody else. Right. I just, it's so interesting to me. I just, I want to know, like, what happened? What was the switch Mm -hmm. that made Claire just not care? Or, like, just 
follow question yeah and it's like what has this guy said to yes. her to make her feel this way because it was like her whole personality was her baby yeah yeah and <laughs> to the uh-huh. like in a bad way but yeah yeah and like when log is like where's aaron she isn't the one who answers it's christian he's like yeah he's fine you're like how powerful is this guy oh my god yeah it has like it just brings up so many questions about claire yeah yeah so log says are you jacob and Christian says, no, but I can speak for him. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Spoiler thoughts. Um, so Locke says, well, who are you then? And he says, I'm Christian. On Lostpedia, it said, Christian, who usually appears in a suit, wears clothes that look more like what the others in Jacob might wear, as he did when he first appeared to Claire in Something Nice Back Home uh, last episode. So he's wearing something different than he usually wears, which is interesting. Mm. So Locke says, do you know why I'm here? And Christian goes, yeah, do you? <laughs> 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 and he goes, I was chosen to be here. And Christian goes, yeah, totally. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Sure. For sure. For sure that. Yeah. <laughs> Which like, does he really even feel that way? Or was he just sort of like feeding into his delusion? We don't know. Uh, you know? I think he was in delusion. Like, <laughs> I, he, he acts it like he, um, what, uh, John Terry, like. John Terry? Does it like, yeah. That, oh yeah. That's, that's Christian. Okay. That's Christian. He, um, he reads it like he's like yeah for sure (laughs) totally whatever you were gonna say is exactly what i was gonna say for sure (laughs) whatever (laughs) so then we see that claire is also here and claire's like oh hey and Locke's like uh what are you doing here and claire says oh it's fine don't worry about it i'm with this guy and Locke's like okay i feel like Locke should have asked more questions yeah no kidding he's like well we only have 42 minutes in the episode so guess i'm just gonna have to deal with that (laughs) turns back around so Locke says what about the baby and christian says he's where he's meant to be which is creepy Hmm. he says the people from the freighter are already heading back here and none of these questions that you're asking are gonna matter when they get here so you need to ask the question that does matter and Locke says okay how do i save the island and we don't see him answer so Hurley and Ben are vibing outside and Hurley, nicest guy in the world, splits his Apollo bar in half to give to Ben and even gives him the half half that's in the wrapper. Yeah. Which is like That's really nice. It's like also like yeah. a bigger part of the of the chocolate bar. Yeah. Like wow. This is that's... I just want to say it's his foreshadowing mm-hmm. for something. Mm-hmm. Oh, a hundred percent. Like, we don't even have to talk about that in the spoiler section. I really feel like it's like, if you know, you, you know. know. <laughs> and we don't even have to elaborate on that, you yeah. know? <laughs> so Locke comes out and Ben goes, okay, well, what are we supposed to do? And Locke says he wants us to move the island. And what I love about this, first of all, dum dum dum, crazy. But what I love is that Ben says, what are we supposed to do? And Locke says he wants us to move the island. So he does not say that it was not Jacob that he talked to. Yeah. Oh, that's you true. know, like Ben is probably pissed that even when he was chosen, if he ever was, he still never even got to talk to Jacob. And like, was he ever really chosen in the first place? I don't think so. Oh, who would ever choose that man? So like, I just love the detail that Locke didn't say that it wasn't Jacob who he talked to. And Ben has to like think that it was Jacob that he talked to. Yeah. No. <sighs> Crazy times. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> and that is the f- first piece of bread in our Locke sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yes did you guys want to mention anything else about the jungle storyline before we move on to the freighter no everything else that i have is like spoilers yeah yeah okay cool okay uh so as for the meat in our sandwich um we're gonna talk about <laughs> the, the meat. freighter 
Not the meat. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> the helicopter gets back to the freighter. Ray, who is fully still alive, asks what happened, and Kimi explains that, uh, a smoke monster attacked them. Kimi gets really upset at the captain for telling Ben his name, but Galt says it wasn't him. Kimi visits Michael where he's handcuffed. Michael admits to telling Ben about them. Kimi tries to kill Michael, but his gun doesn't work. Later, Kimi takes Galt's key from him and opens the safe. There's a secondary protocol inside that tells them where Ben is headed so they can go and get him. Outside, Omar receives the Morse code message from a few episodes ago, and Galt tells Saeed and Desmond to hide from Kimi. Saeed wants to use their Zodiac raft to start ferrying people to the freighter, and Galt agrees. Lapidus goes to free Michael and is pissed that he didn't tell him who he was. As they leave, they see Omar fitting something onto Kimi's arm. Galt gets Saeed set up to leave on the raft and Desmond says he's staying. He won't go back to the island. Saeed understands and goes. That night, the helicopter gets packed with loads of weapons. Frank refuses to fly them back, so Kimi kills Ray and throws him overboard. He can't kill Frank, so he'll kill other people until he agrees to fly. Galt threatens Kimi, but Kimi just kills him, and Frank says, Oh geez, okay, uh, let's go. On the beach, Jack is up and walking around, which Juliet is not happy with. The helicopter flies above them, and a package is dropped. Jack picks it up, and it's Frank's sat phone. Find my friend is on. So they're gonna find it. <laughs> so, Saeed wakes up Desmond and says that the helicopter is back. We don't necessarily see it, but they are in that room where that giant, like, blood stain was on. And I'm like, did that ever get cleaned up? Oh. Or are they just in the room with the giant blood stain? I feel like it would smell really bad. <laughs> I think they're in the room with the blood stain. Like, who would, who would, yeah. who's gonna take the time to, to clean it up? Right. Well, I mean, they were like, Johnson, or <laughs> Ray was like, hey, time to do a power trip. Johnson, get over <laughs> here and clean this up. And then he was like, I will simply just be ominous. So I don't know if he ended up cleaning it up or not, but we haven't seen these guys for two episodes. But it probably hasn't actually been that long for them, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, Kimi, Lapidus, and the injured guys are back. Ray, who we think is dead from two episodes ago, is fully here, which is another creepy thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like subtle time travel in the episode, like indirectly in both Mm -hmm. like the flashbacks and here. Yeah. So Ray goes, what happened? Like, what did that? And Kimi says, pillar of black smoke, pillar of black smoke. And Ray goes, oh, okay. (laughs) okay then sure so kimi goes to saeed and he goes tell me how many people are there and where they are and saeed is like first of all why would i (laughs) second of all how would i know also like i can give you a rough estimate but i don't know how many freaking others there are you know like i feel like there's always more than than they ever expected Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah so kimi is like super antagonizing saeed and not desmond and when i was writing my notes i was like (sighs) Racially motivated, question mark? Because Kimi, totally racist, you know? Supreme. But I was like, it's probably just because when he first met Desmond, he was being a nut job. Yeah. I mean, Desmond. <laughs> so he's like, this guy probably doesn't know anything. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Ray's crush, Captain Galt, asks him, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Ray's crush. <laughs> yes. Ray's crush, Captain Galt, um, which is our, you know running running joke about Ray. So sad that it's ending today. Kimi pulls a gun on the captain and he says, Linus another law for the queer community. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh my god, they're just all, they're burying their gays this episode. That's really upsetting. Yeah. This is um, the reason Lost is terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh Kimi's like, Linus knew who I was and everything about me and you told him. And Captain God's like, mm, no I didn't. And he says, okay, who did then? And then we get this shot of Saeed, which I think is really telling, where Saeed realizes, crap, I should not have told them yeah. about Michael. Mm-hmm. He, like, after hearing Michael's story, immediately takes Michael and throws him to the wolves. And I feel like this is the moment where he, like, regrets that. Yeah, you can see it yeah. in his face. Yeah, yeah. So the captain takes Kimi to Michael and he's, like, handcuffed to the pipes in his room. And I was like, hmm, Michael handcuffed to a metal thing? 
reminds oh, me of what yeah. happened to Jin in yeah. season one, which was also regarding Michael. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's a parallel. Never thought of it, but yeah. So Kimi starts trying to hurt Michael, and he says, "Do you know me? What's my name?" And he knows. And did you give uh, my name to Ben? And Mike goes, "E, I'm embarrassed." <laughs> yes, I did. That's on me. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, so Kimi's gonna shoot him, and the captain tries to stop him, but Kimi fully pulls the trigger, the trigger which yeah. is. Totally giving Jack and Locke at the beginning of this season. Jack and Locke. Oh, don't get me started. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but the gun doesn't work, okay. though, which is interesting because when it was with Jack and Locke, it's because there were no bullets. Mm-hmm. But in this one, there is bullets. But we've already seen in Meet Kevin mm-hmm. Johnson that it's because the island refuses to let Michael die. His his work is not over. Yeah, no. And he tries multiple times, but no dice. It doesn't work. And Captain Galt says, please don't kill him anyway because we need him. He can fix the engines. Because Jeff is useless. <laughs> Poor Jeff. You guys remember Jeff? <laughs> He was in. It was like the other guy. In Meet Kevin Johnson, uh, uh, Michael was trying to fix the engine with Jeff, and then he sent Jeff to go and get like a part or whatever. He's like, "Man, Jeff can't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> we need this guy because Jeff is useless." God damn it, Jeff. <laughs> so he's like, "Why do we need him?" And the captain is like, "Because he's the one who broke them." And uh, Kimi ends up hitting Michael, and that's a knockout, babes. That's a knockout for mm. our knockout counter. And we're back to zero. We're back to zero. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Oh my gosh, a lot of the episode happens, and then we get back to the freighter. So Kimi asks Captain Galt for his key. And, you know, Lapidus is like, hey, real quick, um, Mayhew just died, and, you know, the doctor couldn't do anything. Ray, please step up. Um, he's like, everyone's asking a lot of questions, and Mayhew is, of course, course, like that, that super injured guy that they brought yep. back who we mm-hmm. see later. And Kimi says, tell him I'll deal with it. Like we're, we're about to head back and you should get ready. And Lupitas is like, there's a giant pillar of black smoke there that can kill people. So like, why are we doing that? <laughs> why are we doing this? It's so real. It's so real. And Kimi says, just go do it. So Lupitas is like, okay. So he leaves. And um, Captain Galt says, while you were gone, there's been like this sickness going on. And Regina like killed herself. Like, I'm worried that this is what's happening to you. You're seeming really like erratic and um, like making a lot of really snap decisions. I feel like you should stop and think about this. And Kimi is like, thanks. Um, I don't care. And gives him the key. Um, Does anybody ship Kimi and Captain Galt a little bit? Extremely. <laughs> Extremely. Right? Okay, I'm glad I'm not alone. I was like, oh my gosh, Captain Galt cares so much about Kimi's well-being. What is going on? You guys are crazy. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh. Oh, it did not cross my mind. I see it. You see it? Oh, good. Well, either way, he kills him. So, like, ugh, the angst. Um, but Yeah, bummer. Oh, well. Uh, but it's there, I think. And so Captain Galt's like, but what about the protocol? And Kimi attacks him, like, chokes him up against a wall. I'm like, guys, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> So he takes the key from around his neck, which is also giving Jack. Jack always wore that key around his neck. That stupid key, yeah. Yep. And uh, so he's like, got the key, thank you. And he opens the safe in the room. And Captain Galt says, well, there's two keys. You have a key and I have a key because we're supposed to, like, agree to open it together. And, oh, this is actually brought up on Lostpedia. It said Kimi and Galt wear keys around their neck just like Jack and also Kelvin in... uh, the season two finale. So he's like, we're supposed to open it together. And Kimi goes, you're in the room. So it's fine. (laughs) You're in the room, right? We are opening it together. Technically, we're both here. I mean, yeah, I I would consider it. 
Like, yeah. Yeah. You're right here. So it's fine. So he gets the secondary protocol and it says basically where Linus is going. So the captain is like, why do you know about this and not me? And how would Widmore even know about this sort of stuff? Which thoughts. And uh, Kimi says, cause he's very smart and he can only go one place if he thinks that we're going to destroy the island. And Captain Gold's like, real quick, quick question. Um... <laughs> That was not the plan, and that is not why I brought you here. <laughs> not the plan. That is, like, I feel weird and bad about he this. He says, like, he says, um, I... <laughs> torch the island. Uh-huh. It's like, just, like, yeah. like burn it? He's like, okay, mm, I don't know about how I feel about this morally. <laughs> not sure those are the vibes. I feel weird and bad, and people keep dying, so I feel gross. So, Kimi just says, fix my gun. And he doesn't even say please. <sighs> No, I, I I like that moment because you you have like for a second you think that he's gonna kill him. Yeah, like, there's like a mm-hmm. tense moment there, just one second, and then he just like fix my gun. Because Kimi doesn't want to kill him, he loves him. Sure, it's so toxic, you guys. It's so toxic. That's what it is. <laughs> it's the only logical explanation. <laughs> Listen, Mark. While you were gone, there was some sort of a sickness. The crew, they've been exhibiting some very strange behavior. Regina threw herself overboard, for God's sake. Now, I would be derelict in my duty if I didn't point out that this may be exactly what's happening to you. I appreciate your concern. Give me your key. That's not the protocol. Thank you. The reason there are two keys is we're only supposed to open the safe together. You're here, aren't you? What is that? It's a secondary protocol. What does it say? Since where Linus is going. How would Mr. Whitmore know that? She's a very smart man. And if Linus knows that we're going to torch the island, there's only one place that he can go. What do you mean, torch the island? That was not the agreement. I agreed to ferry you here for an extraction mission. Fix my gun. And he assumes that his gun is broken because it didn't work on Michael, but I don't think it is broken. Yeah, no, 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 no. But, like, ca- the captain says later, I fixed it, but I don't think it was ever broken. Yeah. No. And the captain goat was like, mm, this looks fine. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> I just don't think he knows how to use his gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> On Lustpedia, it said, the second protocol that Kimi grabs from the safe has the same Dharma symbol that Ben's parka had on it in the shape of things to come, which is the symbol of the orchid station. Um, so you can start putting that together if you haven't seen, um, like, past this episode. I feel like the really diehard fans, as it were, as it was... Um, airing like when you had a week in between each episode to absolutely like deep dive into every detail you could definitely put those two things together mm-hmm. so mayhew's body gets carried away r.i.p mayhew so sorry that happened guy and desmond says mm, there's no gunshot on him like what happened how did he die i guess they didn't hear kimi say that the smoke monster killed him i don't know but saeed says i don't know but they're gonna do something about it when they go back so everybody is in danger there captain galt who is a real g calls for Omar to meet Kimi in the armory. And you're like, hey, that's a great sign (laughs) that Kimi's in the armory. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Load that guy up with weapons. So Omar says that he's supposed to watch Saeed and Desmond. And Captain Galt is like, I'll do it. It's fine. And Saeed and Desmond are like, cool. We're being babysat right now. (laughs) 
But I feel like, I don't know if Kimi is actually in the armory. I actually feel like Captain Galt was lying to Omar just to get him out of there so that he could talk to Saeed and Desmond. I can see That's that. What I, I can see that. I mean, it's not like Omar like comes back up and is like, Kimi said he didn't need to see me in the armory. So maybe he was just making it work for him, I guess. But he also doesn't come back and, and, and it's like, he wasn't there. Yeah, exactly. So... Who knows? Mm-hmm. It must be... I think I think he just killed two birds with one stone there. Yeah. So Omar gets a Morse code message. He gets the one from Dan yes. from several episodes ago. And when they sent that, that was at night. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not nighttime. Nope. And like, we obviously know tiny whimey things are happening. But like, that's just another thing. Is that like, it's full straight up day. Mm-hmm. That plus full obviously day. the doctor being alive. Plus the doctor being alive. Sketchy. Plus... The fact that Omar is the one who's getting the... Yeah. Like, why is Omar the one getting the the message? The message. Mm. I wonder if, like, if the, if, the, if the phone was broken, then I wonder if Dan couldn't necessarily choose who got it. Oh, like he just sent it to whoever? He just sent it to someone that he could or just, like, sent it out into the ether and that's the one that ended up getting it. But I wonder, just because, like, obviously Minkowski's dead, obviously Regina is dead, I don't know who else is in... Like, communications are supposed to be down. No idea. Or Saeed fixed them, right? So, yeah, unclear. So the captain tells them to go down to the galley and hide because there's there's room for them and there's food and water. And Saeed asks if Michael is dead because you know Saeed's going to be like, yep, that was on me. That was my fault yeah. if Michael was dead, you know? So Captain Galt says, no, he's not dead. But Kini definitely tried to kill him, which is why you need to hide before he gets back. And Saeed's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm Saeed. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Hide? hide i'm not with me i don't think so so uh he says let us have your zodiac raft so that we can start bringing people back here and captain galt says okay sure fine and here's the thing is that a couple episodes ago i said i like galt but i can't remember if i like galt because he's handsome and he has an accent or if i like galt because he's a good character both. And a good person. Both things can be true. But it turns out both. So I was pleased to find out that um, I do like Galt because uh, he's a good person and not just for those reasons. And he's handsome. And he's handsome. Exactly. So Lapidus goes to free Michael and Lapidus is like, hey, I'm kind of mad at you. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't tell me that you're an Oceanic 815 survivor. And Michael is like, well, you wouldn't have believed me. And Lapidus is like, me? <laughs> me would not have believed? Conspiracy theorist number one? I'm what? I'm one of the only people in the world who thought that plane was a hoax. Me? <laughs> me who has the entire manifest memorized? I mean, Michael probably didn't know that. But he's like, you could have told me your name and I would have been able to tell you that you were on that plane. Like, you're his real name. You know? Yes. So Michael's like, well, I didn't know if I could trust you. Like, your boss is the one who put it there. And Lapidus is like, damn, okay. <laughs> You've got big <laughs> conspiracies too then. Lapidus is like, I wasn't subscribing to that one, but... I mean, I guess that's possible. <laughs> so Michael says, do not fly Kimi back there. And Lapidus is like, yep, don't worry, I'm going to deal with it. And he's like, he's going to kill everybody and that's going to be on your conscience. Mm-hmm. And trust me, that itself is deadly to you, is having deaths like that on your conscience. And Lapidus is like, okay. Noted. So they head out and we see Omar attaching this device to Kimi's arm. And uh, on Lastpedia, it said it appears to be a modified Korg MA-30 metronome. (laughs) Oh, what? (laughs) Whatever that means. It's a metronome. A metronome being like the thing that goes tick, 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 tick in time with like music. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. As you're like playing music and trying to keep in time. Oh. So unclear if they were like, we're gonna, it's a metronome 
but we're going to try and make it look like something else and it's not supposed to be a metronome. Shh. Or Kimi was like, I'm doing science with this metronome <laughs> and I'm going to use this metronome for what I'm trying to use it for. Not sure. So Lapita says, oh, hey guys, you may be wondering what I am doing with this prisoner. Uh, I'm actually taking him to the engine room so that he can fix the engine. And they are like, we do not care. (laughs) And Omar slams the door in their face. (laughs) And we talked about this a little bit in the spoiler section of last episode. Um, Dev had brought up that like in that moment where Sawyer and Claire and Miles and Aaron are hiding from Kimi, Sawyer could have just pulled the trigger and killed Kimi right there. And I had been like, well, then bad things would have happened because Kimi had like the thing on his arm, which we can't really talk about what exactly it does but but no he didn't even have it on his arm yet he gets it gets put on him right now and so Sawyer could have just ended the season right there and killed (laughs) Kimi (laughs) but of course as we said he didn't want to hurt Aaron's little Mm, baby ears so nice guy Sawyer so Captain Galt tells Saeed to stay on a bearing of 305 which was Faraday's bearing and what I love about this is because everybody else on this ship talks so bad about Faraday. They talk about how crazy and stupid and bad he is. I know. And Galt trusts Faraday. He says, this is what Faraday said. And he like sends him off on his way. And I love that. That's my friend, Captain Galt. Captain Galt, good guy. I totally get why Ray likes him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So cute. <laughs> On Lostpedia, it had this little blooper here. It said, As Saeed leaves the Kahana to return to the island, the captain tells him to be sure to follow the compass bearing of 305. This is incorrect. To go from the island to the ship, one travels away from the island, heading northwest at 305. Traveling from the ship at 305 would continue to move you northwest away from the island. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Instead, to go from the ship back to the island, one must travel in the direction opposite of uh 305 which is 125 oh huh apparently i don't know stuff about yeah no but i did think it was funny that he's like okay i will and it just goes on forever (laughs) (laughs) you got it captain (laughs) leaves off into the sunset never to be seen again (laughs) yeah so saeed says what's gonna happen if kimi notices that it's gone and the captain says i'm just gonna say that you stole it Desmond says, I'm not going to go with because he's never going to step foot on the island again. Hmm. Interesting. Plus, Penny's coming for me. I want to be ready, which is great. I love it. And Saeed says, totally get it. And I'm going to be back ASAP. And honestly, probably a good idea if you can only have like a small amount of people on (laughs) the boat at once that like don't take up a whole nother seat for Desmond, you know? That's a really tiny boat. It's really small. (laughs) If you can only have like seven people on (laughs) it, period. I don't know. Yeah. So Desmond says, Kate, stay on that bearing, especially because we saw what happened to Minkowski after doing this exact thing. I can't remember if Minkowski said like we took the Zodiac raft to go in or whatever, like, or it was something like that though, where they did that. Like it was the exact thing that Minkowski did. And now Minkowski's dead, obviously, right? Rest in peace. RIP. Love him. Um, so Saeed goes and uh, then we get the Trek music. So oh. good. It's been a long time since we've heard that. Right? Uh, I have a swelling in my heart every time I hear a it. A swelling in my heart. <laughs> yes, it's true. I understand. So Desmond watches the helicopter being packed with an insane amount of weapons. And he's like, that is foreboding. <laughs> Not so good. <laughs> so Omar says to Ray, dude, want to hear something weird? And Ray's like, oh my God. Okay. Oh my God. I'm making a friend. <laughs> so exciting. And Omar says, I got a Morse code message that said the doctor washed up on shore with a slit throat, which is way more info than we saw them give. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a little bit weird to me because Dan, as far as we know, Mm -hmm. only said like what happened to the doctor, you know? So they must have had, but we didn't see them have more conversation than that. So uh, that, that part was a little bit weird. 
that because like we didn't we saw them doing the Morse code thing. Yeah. And then they, they, Jack got mad at Dan, so how could he have sent more information? I don't know. So that part was a little bit weird. Are we supposed to think that it was, like, off screen? Or, like, is it? are we supposed to think that, it, like, Dan did not give that information? I would have thought that it was off screen, if not for us literally seeing that scene. Like, did Jack allow Dan to keep talking on the transmitter if he knows that he had lied about it before? Like, I don't... I don't know. That's just, that's a little suspicious to me. <laughs> so I'm not sure what happened there. That's suspicious. That's weird. Yeah, that's weird. So Omar's like, hey, weird, but the people on the beach said that the doctor's dead. And Ray's like, what? That's The doctor's fine. But that's me. <laughs> He's like, but that's me. <laughs> like, you can tell them that I'm fi- I'm doing okay. Like, I know they're worried about me, but I'm fine. <laughs> and Omar's like, yeah, that's weird. At this point, if I'm Ray, I am running away. Uh-huh. I am not up here anymore. <laughs> I am not up here anymore. I am locking myself in my room. Yep. You will not find me up there ever. So Omar confirms with Kimi that everything's ready. And Lapita says, hey, what are you doing with all of this? I was hired to fly scientists, not whatever this is. Hmm. So Kimi says, just get in the chopper and fly. And he's like, mm. No. And Kimi's like, I will kill you. And Lapidus is like, mm, that sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> you should not do that because then you'll never get back. So I love that Lapidus is like, I have job security and life security. I love this for me. Good for him. So Kimi, and honestly, like maybe even a better threat is like to put other people in danger because I feel like people are more like, I mean, we've seen this on television shows forever that you threaten someone else and people are more likely to do it than if you threaten them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So Kimi apologizes to Ray and then kills him and throws him overboard. Ugh. And weird person to kill. I mean, I guess he was the only person like available up there like, who was like- Don't kill your doctor. Still, yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> yes, exactly. Is I'm just like, maybe he was the only one who felt like disposable to Kimi up there. But like, yeah, weird person to choose to kill. Weird yeah. person is your doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Not a great choice. Not a great choice. But I guess he couldn't help Mayhew though, right? So Kimi's probably just like, you're a bad doctor anyway. True. Bye, Ray. <laughs> Yikes. And I know that it's already supposed to be, like, a crazy weird thing, but, like, I cannot get my mind wrapped around the fact that they got the message that he had washed up on shore before he even died. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Because then he still needs to, like, be in the water and wash up, you know? Right. It's just crazy. It's creepy. So I wonder if the reason why last episode started with the people on the beach not being able to get a hold of the boat is because... Omar just ignored their messages. Does anybody else get the messages? Why is it Omar who gets the phone? Like this app? I don't know. I don't know. But Omar, weird, because he doesn't even seem like weirded out by the message. You know, like he's just like, hey, isn't it weird that this happened? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Like, I feel like Omar should be more weirded out. Yeah. If if I got a message like that, I would be like, maybe, maybe I read it wrong <laughs> right exactly yeah. like maybe i don't know morse code typo <laughs> typo yeah maybe i don't know morse code <laughs> typo yeah exactly a typo in morse code <laughs> yeah <laughs> that just casually said that the doctor was dead yeah you're like hmm, that can't yeah. be right dan dan's crazy so <laughs> Who knows? But like, I I do wonder if he told Kimi about the message. And so Kimi was like, well, better, better continue on with destiny, right? Oh, I don't know. I don't. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, is it possible that Kimi killed Ray in that manner because Omar told him that he got that message? 
Because that makes a time paradox. Do we think? That's a time paradox. Yeah. But do we think Kimi is a destiny guy? No. That's interesting. Yep, that's true. He, like, probably not. That's an impulse guy. Yeah. It's true, but I wonder if he is a destiny guy when it's about killing people. Oh, well, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) I don't know. I also feel like he's a huge hypocrite, so he can do whatever he wants, you know? Yeah. So there was a Lost on Location this episode, and it was mostly about this. Obviously, it was a stunt double who was thrown overboard, and they used, like, this knife that sort of had blood, fake blood, inside that basically, like, poured out once you, like, held it at a certain angle. Oh. <laughs> so it was mostly, uh, mostly practical effects. And the guy who plays Ray, he goes, Kimi kills two authority figures in one scene. Like, that's crazy. And I was like, mm, it's Kimi. really cute that you think Ray is an authority figure <laughs> <Yeah>. for Kimi. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I'd agree, but okay. An authority figure. Oh, he's a doctor. Man, two authority figures, two authority figures in one scene. I was like, dude, you are so at the bottom of the food chain, man. Like, <laughs> clearly. Sorry, but no. So. Kimi says, hey, Frank, does this change anything? Because I'm going to kill someone every 30 seconds until you get on that fl- oh until you get on that helicopter. And Lupitas is like, I feel embarrassed, but yes, it absolutely changes things. <laughs> what is this guy's issue? Like, just Oh my gosh. Ugh. Seriously. Wow. So Galt shoots Kimi's gun into the air and he's like, I fixed it. <laughs> Okay, good job, buddy. And uh, I don't think you did a lot, but sure. And he says, Kimi, you need to calm down or I'm going to shoot you. And he calls him Martin. (sighs) Yeah, I did notice that. Where are the fix? I did notice that one. (laughs) Where are they? (sighs) And Kimi shows him the thing on his arm, which we don't yet know what it means. And Kimi, since he doesn't have his own gun, as soon as Galt like looks away, he grabs Omar's gun and shoots Galt. So now Galt is dead. R.I.P. Rest in pieces. Rest in pieces. Truly R.I.P. Truly R.I.P. Shooting his boyfriend. I am. Oh my gosh, the angst, you guys. Seriously. Oh, I, I um, was going to say something, but it's a spoiler. Never mind. <laughs> okay, write it down. Okay. <laughs> so Lapidus is like, okay, okay, fine, I'll go. And he wraps up his sat phone secretly. And uh, Kimi takes his own gun from Captain Galt's body and, you know, probably gives him like a tender little kiss on the forehead or something that we didn't see, obviously. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then they leave. Yeah, then they leave. So lastly, um, on the beach, uh, Juliet gets mad at Jack for leaving the tent because she's like, you are recovering, bro. And Jack's like, but I was hungry. And I'm like, oh my God, get someone else to bring you stuff. Oh, I love this scene. For like 41 minutes, I forgot that Jack existed and it was really great. <laughs> I was surprised. Um, I wasn't expecting to like see Juliet at all, like at all in this episode. I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh my god, it's Juliet for like one second. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what a treat, a treat for me. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, literally anybody on this beach, like everybody is so obsessed with Jack. Anybody on this beach, if Jack just went, uh, like if he had like a little bell, tingling, five people would show up and they'd be like, what can we get you, Jack? Like, geez, just do something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do something else. Like, just sit there for a second. And so Juliet tries to explain why he shouldn't do that. And he knows that stuff because he's a doctor. And Juliet says doctors are the worst patients. Yeah, I can see that. And I see why that would happen. I agree. Yep. He's like, well, if I was having problems, I would be able to know that I was having symptoms and then I would stop. Oh, he just wanted some cereal. So true. So they see the helicopter go overhead and a bag hits 
a tent. And did you guys catch whose tent it was that the bag destroyed? No. no. Claire's tent. <gasps> Wow. They, were, they were like, hey, nobody uses this anyway. Yeah, exactly. And the fa- so now, like, it sort of is, like, foreshadowing yeah. to tell us that Claire is sort of, like, out of the picture now for a wow. while. Mm-hmm. Can I just say, Juliet's face, yeah, when her, she yeah. sees the helicopter, she's so happy. Mm-hmm. Oh. She is so, she's, like, the only one that's, like, fully smiling when she sees the helicopter. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Sad times. So sad. So Jack decides, instead of listening to what Juliet just told me, <laughs> I'm going to get into a full sprint. <laughs> And run to go get the bag. And it's like, dude, lie down. But, you know, we obviously know this is Magic Island. The bag isn't going anywhere. And he must have already healed quite a bit. Even though it's only been like, I don't know, a few hours or whatever. And it's, yeah, it's interesting because like they left the freighter and it was night and then it is still night here. So like, it's just, the time is so weird. Yeah. Timey-wimey. So it's the sat phone and um, basically they're like, we we need to use it to follow it. And uh, it feels like I think that the time difference is different, like coming to versus leaving the island. Mm. Yeah. Because when Saeed shows up on the... But was Saeed on the Zodiac all night? Because when he, when Saeed leaves, it's still light out. And when Saeed gets yeah. there next episode, it's also light out. So yeah, I'm un- just... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. don't know. I don't know. And he doesn't question it either, does he? Saeed? No, not really. No. He's like, oh, well. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, on Lostpedia, it said one of the items removed from the bag is a map of Tarawa Atoll, which is a group of islands northwest of Australia. That's just a fun fact. I don't know. Is that relevant? Let me check Lostpedia. Hold on. I'm like, what if that's relevant? Hold on. It probably is. Yeah. Rawa Atoll. Um, Do we hmm. get an answer as to why the time, like the, the time differences are so like, like, or s- like so much? Yeah. I don't remember. Like, what's the explanation? Um, with I don't know. I feel like if I don't remember and you don't remember, I don't know if we get an answer. Hmm. I'll, I'll look it up later. <laughs> I need to, I need to know. It doesn't look like Tarawa Atoll is relevant. Oh, well. Because the Lostpedia link just takes me to Wikipedia. Um, but it is interesting that it's Australia. Yeah. And I think that's it regarding the freighter. Is there anything else you guys wanted to mention before we go into flashes? I don't have anything else. On- okay, no. cool. Very cool. I loved, uh, I love both of the island storylines. Yeah. This episode. Yeah. But I have a lot to say about the flashes and I'm excited to talk to you guys about it. Okay. But first, I'm going to talk to you guys about Patreon. Um, it's a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Ours is patreon.com slash theafficionados. And uh, we have lots of cool tiers and perks that you can get over there. The $1 a month level is early access to every single podcast. This one comes out a whole week in advance, and so do all the other ones. Uh, $2 is our Discord server. $5 is 10% off at three different small businesses. And $10 is our Patreon-only podcast. Maria, you have been a Patreon sponsor for so long what's your favorite thing about it um i i think i i do the the ten dollar right mm-hmm. i so i get the, po- the podcast and we appreciate you so much yes i love yes. i love getting the extra podcast i love it it's so fun thanks for listening of course <laughs> i appreciate it and as well i also thought casey we are th- this is coming out way later than what's happening but uh britney and sam at some point aren't going to be available to record one of those soon because uh britney's sister is going to be going into labor oh right and so I thought that at that point, that's when we could redo our lost bracket. Oh my God. Oh, thank God. And put it up maybe in January. I would yeah. be oh my God. thrilled and honored. <laughs> A reaction. <laughs> 
to pretend yeah. that that so first that's... one never came out. I, I remember just listening to that and like live texting Robin about it. Mm-hmm. I was not. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was not happy. I really don't know. I don't know. And and I understand. I, I, I completely understand. I'm terrified for how this next one's going to turn out, though. I don't know. I'm scared. I it can't be worse than this one. Well, I think I, I think no. Yeah, it cannot be worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, it cannot be worse. That will have come out on our Patreon only podcast months ago, as you're listening to this. But sure, hope so. Um, the goal is to put it up in uh, in January, Ugh. um, as a little bonus thing uh, when we take our I cannot believe holiday break. You reminded me of that. Oh, redemption <laughs> finally. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the goal. I real. I just. I don't know what I was thinking. Me neither. I'm really sorry. No, I think it was my fault. I really do because I kept showing up and you were like, "This is my opinion," and I'd be like, "This is my opinion," and you would be like, "Actually, here, let me change to yours." And I feel bad. And um, I think it was all me. Well, I'm just not a good like fighter for <laughs> debater. Yeah, I'm regarding not a good lost. Podcast. That was lost one of characters. the. That was definitely one of the moments where I was like talking to myself, but like heated. Yeah, in a bad way. <laughs> yeah. Like, all my points were just like, Juliet's the best. Why? Because she's pretty and smart. I don't know. I mean, that's valid. <laughs> and then I'd be like, well, here's why I think you should vote for Ben. And it's like, <laughs> dang it. Well, that's a better point than she's pretty and smart. <laughs> I'm extremely easily manipulated. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that goes over well. You guys will find out soon. Now it's time for flashbacks, you guys. I'm so excited. Um, The, the first scene is like a, f- a, a hard one minute long. When I tell you guys, I have to scroll to get to the bottom of my notes for this one scene. Oh my god. <laughs> like, it's too much. <laughs> All right, Casey's going to do the summary for the flashes. She sure is. Yay. The episode opens in 1956 with a young woman dancing in her bedroom. Her mother comes in and the two have a spat about the daughter going out with an older man her mom doesn't approve of. The daughter's name is Emily, and as she runs out of the house, she's struck by a car. As she's wheeled into the emergency room, she tells the nurses she's pregnant. Emily goes into premature labor and gives birth to her son, John Locke. Next, Emily and her mom are visiting John in the ICU, where the nurse tells them John is quite the fighter and is the youngest preemie to ever survive at the hospital. She tells Emily she'll be able to hold John soon, to which Emily says she can't and runs out of the room upset. Emily's mother, disinterested, asks who to speak to about adoption. The nurse notices a man looking in the viewing window and asks if he's the father. Emily's mother turns around and is confused. She doesn't know who the man is. The man in question? None other than Mr. Richard Alpert, as young as the day we first met him. Oh my gosh. Now in 1961, we see a five-year-old John living with a foster family. He's playing gack at G- Oh my god. <laughs> Gaggammon. Gaggammon. <laughs> He's playing gack. Oh. <laughs> it's not a word I use in my everyday vernacular. I completely understand. <laughs> He's playing backgammon when his foster mother says a man is there to see him and tells him somewhat threateningly to be on his best behavior. Richard Alpert walks in and introduces himself, saying he runs a school for special children and thinks John could be one of them. Richard and John sit at a table where Richard places six items on the table and asks John which one of the items already belongs to him. John looks over the items carefully and eventually chooses a knife. Richard is clearly disappointed in John's selection, quickly packing up and saying he's not right for his school. We next see 16-year-old John at high school in 1972. Clearly not the most popular kid. He's been beaten up and shoved in a locker. A teacher finally lets him out and brings him to the nurse. The two talk and the teacher says he got a call from one Mr. Alper at Middle Laboratory in Portland who wants mm-hmm. John to go to their science summer camp. 
John gets upset, saying that nerdy things like science camp are the reason he gets beat up. His teacher tries to explain that John just isn't destined to be one of the cool, popular jocks or a superhero, to which John angrily responds, don't tell me what I can't do. Lastly, we see John post being shoved out a window in 2000. He's doing his routine physical therapy and isn't making much progress. An orderly helps him back into his wheelchair and starts wheeling him to the elevator. The two talk and the orderly speaks encouragingly to John. To which John flatly says he should take a look at his file and see what a lost cause he really is. The orderly disagrees, however. He has seen John's file and says surviving an eight-story fall is a miracle in itself. The orderly is revealed to be Matthew Abaddon, and he tells John he needs to go on a walkabout and learn who he is and what he's capable of. That was great. You did a great job. Fantastic. Thank you. Aside from a few stumbling points, and I've just, I've discovered with this- Gaggammon. Backgammon. (laughs) And I also really struggle saying the word asks, like, Mm. in a sentence. That's fair, I feel like. That's valid. I really struggled with it this summary and last summary. Mm. So no more asking. No more asking, please. <laughs> Do another verb. <laughs> All right. So we are flashbacking. Flashing back. <laughs> flashbacking. No, no. We're flashbacking. <laughs> to uh to 1956. And yeah, I just have an insane amount of things to say about this uh this scene in particular. So we see young Emily Locke and she is being played by Holland Roden yeah. of Teen Wolf fame. Oh, that's why yeah. she's so familiar. But bef- this was like before she was on Teen yeah. Wolf. But of course, I knew her from Teen Wolf before I watched Lost because like my friends in high school loved it. So, uh I've never seen Teen Wolf, yeah. but I knew who that she was. I was like I was like what is she doing here? I think I only ever watched a couple episodes. Yeah, but I've seen a lot of gift sets of her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I was just thinking, wow, she mm-hmm. looks really familiar. Wonder who that is. Yeah, that's it. There you go. Can it look her up. And uh, this is the time frame that they were in for season seven of Riverdale. Um, and so I was going to say <laughs> it's giving major Riverdale. I can't stop picturing her as Cheryl because of her red hair. Oh, my God. As well as the Buddy Holly song is like very giving that. Yes. Who, who famously died in a plane crash? In a plane crash, exactly. I, as of the recording of this podcast, Riverdale ended about a week and a half ago, um, which is crazy. And uh, now I can offer you a podcast episode for every single episode of Riverdale. I am so excited for it to become the camp cult classic that Glee has become. Um, And I'm just, I'm so proud of her. I give Riverdale a little kiss on the cheek. I say, go off and do amazing things, my love. So um, if I had a dollar for every time Robin has tried to get me to watch Riverdale. (laughs) Oh, it's going to happen now that it's over. Yeah. I've considered like just listening to your podcast. Which is absolutely Do available that. to you. Do that. Like, like not now. Now that it's over, I kind of uh-huh. just that. listen to the podcast. Do it. <laughs> Sorry in advance. I mean, it was seven years ago. I was twenty-one, <laughs> and I was simping over Cole Sprouse big time. And I'm really sorry about that. It's okay. I am embarrassed. I am humiliated. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay, anyway, I kiss Riverdale on the head. Okay, bye, Riverdale. So she's, like, bopping around her room. She puts on her lipstick. And uh, the... Oh, on Lostpedia, it was pointed out that in this episode begins with an unfamiliar character puts music on um at the beginning which just like uh Ooh, Juliet, desmond desmond and juliet yeah exactly uh-huh. um not the beginning of a season but still very cool so we get mrs Locke, who is Locke's grandmother um and she goes where are you going are you going with that guy and she goes yes i'm in love mother <laughs> you can't stop me <laughs> and she says dude like he's twice your age Kay. Emily Locke could be in Riverdale. Yeah. Right? 100%. 100%. <laughs> she 
she fits right in. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, here's what I want to talk to you guys about. She says he's twice your age. She's hyperbolizing, right? Maybe not. Because uh, here's the thing. Uh-huh. Lostpedia says that Emily Locke was born in 1940, which makes her around 16 years old when she had Locke. Lostpedia also says that Anthony Cooper was born <gasps> no. in 1924, which makes him 32. Which is disgusting, first of all. Well. And it would be no matter how old he is. How old he is because she's a minor. But that means that when we, like, know him and actively see him, he's, like, 80. Oh. And that man is just not 80. No, he's not 80. Maybe he just looks good for his age, but that guy's not 80. And they're saying he's canonically 80. It is also possible that this guy that she's like, I'm in love, mother, is not a guy that she was with six months ago who was Anthony Cooper. Yeah. It's possible. But... Lostpedia says that canonically he is was twice her age when she was 16 years old. There's no way he was he's 80. There's just no way. Right. Right. That's what I'm saying. Anyway. <laughs> well, maybe maybe he was uh, yeah, I think I think I I went down a rabbit hole. She was exaggerating like Yeah. He was probably in his 20s. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So then she asks her mom if she's jealous. Which is a big move. (laughs) Big move. Big move. And she leaves anyway, despite her mom calling after her. Um, It's raining, which is, of course, a big theme in this show. And so is car accidents. Lots of people have been in car accidents on this show. And she gets hit by a car. In my brain, I always thought it was his car. Because he was coming to pick her up. Oh. Right? I have a question. But I don't think so. Okay, no. I have a theory. It's... Uh (laughs) I was going to ask you. like, Because the last time that I was on here when we talked about Lost in Portland. Not uh-huh. lost, not in Portland. Or not in Portland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we t- yeah we That's talk- that sounds like a, an escape room. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about the possible theory that Richard mm-hmm. was driving the bus that killed Juliet's um, <laughs> ex-husband. So what if... <laughs> God. Do we think that Richard ran over mom's uh, locks? <laughs> honestly, honestly, yeah, yeah, not out of the realm of possibility. I'm just saying, Richard is not afraid to commit vehicular manslaughter. <laughs> He's uh, not afraid. I'm just saying, there's a lot of people getting run over with Richard yeah. around. Yeah, I'm just saying, that's what I'm saying. you're right. It's possible. Yeah, like. I mean, sure. In my brain, like, for the 10 plus years that I've watched this show, I always thought she got hit by her baby daddy's car, by Anthony Cooper, like, straight up. But I don't think that's true, because otherwise, like, to be honest, I, something would have happened there. I've never thought about this until today. Like, I yeah. was like, wait, is that Richard? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all the other ones that happen in the show are all Richard. Michael, when he got hit, Richard. It's yeah. always Richard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Richard uh, hits Emily with his, his car. And I just can't help but be like, babe, you can do so much better than Anthony Cooper. Ugh. You could do so much better. First of all, you can so- do so much better than some random adult man. Mm-hmm. Please. Ugh. Like, does does she have big money? Because, like, why else would he date her? Is it just because he's a creep? Because Cause he's a creep. Because he, like, is a con man, right? And, like, she's 16. She doesn't have money. I think it's just because he's a creep. Maybe. Maybe he was trying to get... To her mom through her and con her mom. Oh my gosh, yeah. Cause she says, Are you jealous, mom? Like maybe he's like talked about her before. I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. Maybe he thought if he knocked her up, then he would get like money or something. I don't know. I'm just saying anything. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's usually the other way around, but no, but like, hey, we got, I mean, that's what this podcast is for. <laughs> but anyway, add to the list of things I hate about Anthony Cooper <laughs> that he dates children. Yeah. Uh, gross. 
So at the hospital, they're heading down the hallway and Emily wakes up and the nurse tells her to try and stay awake. Obviously, we're like seeing Emily and we've already talked about this like in Man Behind the Curtain, um, but both Ben and Locke's moms were both named Emily, um, which is interesting. Yes, I was gonna mention that. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, there might be some internal issues, which is not good. The heartbeat's dropping. And she tells the nurse that she's almost six months pregnant, um, which is not good. And I think it's like, uh, Claire was like at a similar, similar time in her pregnancy when she was in an accident. Oh, yeah, the car accident. The plane crash, obviously. Oh. Um, maybe, Wait, maybe yeah. a little bit farther along, but yeah. On Lostpedia, it said, in flashbacks, Locke's mother, Emily, has dark hazel eyes as a teenager. Um, but previously, uh, in season one, she was seen with light blue eyes as an older woman, so... <laughs> Bad casting! <laughs> Bad casting. She should have worn contacts or whatever. I don't know. So she goes and she gives the birth to the baby. And I cannot... She gives the birth to the baby. <laughs> she, gives the, she gives the birth to the baby. She does the birth. She does the birth. And um, the baby is there. And I... <laughs> I'm sorry. I know, I know that she's like... I'm sure she's a very good actor. I never watched Teen Wolf, but I'm sure she's very good. But every time I watch it, I, I have to laugh at the way she says my baby. She goes... My baby. <laughs> she goes, my baby. My baby. So, Bring it back, my baby. So it's either, we have either her saying it like that or Claire saying, my baby with an, uh, an exaggerated Australian accent. Baby, yeah, 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 exactly. Anybody who says, she goes, my baby. My baby. She, she, I laugh every time. I was rewatching it two days ago, and as soon as I like said it with her that time, my I'm baby. gonna have to rewatch it. Yeah. <laughs> So she, like, wants to hold him, but they take him away because he's premature and he needs to, like, go into, like, an incubator or basically the, the NICU. Question. Yes. If she had gotten to hold him in that moment, do you think she would have kept her baby? Maybe. Do you think that Locke wouldn't have gone into foster care? There's a high chance. I think yes. Yeah, there's a high chance. I think yes. Because at that point, after he had been gone for so long, I think that she sort of lost the connection with him before she, since she didn't get to hold him. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Oh, Locke. That's why she needed to... She needed to deliver the baby prematurely, thus Richard. Yep. Hitting her with a car. There we go. That's it. It happened. So she asks for him to be named John. First of all, not Jonathan, because that's what his paper said in the flashbacks of further instructions. It's just, his name is not Jonathan. It's John. No, it's John. Yeah, I call him Jonathan, to, uh, <laughs> like, for fun. For funsies. Yeah. I do wonder why that name is so important to her. Like, she seems very adamant. And mm. I was like, it's certainly not his father's name, obviously. We know what his father's name is. Unless she thought it was, question mark? <gasps> yeah. Hey. And that was a name that he was going by? Yeah. I think she... My theory is that she named John after his father. Ew, John Jr.? But that's not his real name. John Jr.? <laughs> He's John <a> Jr.? Jr.? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because his last name's Locke. Like, he kept, he got his mother's last name, but yeah. Second John. John 2. John the second. John 2. <laughs> I can see. Yeah, it's like a sequel to the Bible. John 2. Uh, I hate it. A sequel to the Bible. <laughs> yeah, John 2. <laughs> no, but I can see it. Because obviously she didn't know him as Anthony Cooper. She knew him and, as yeah. John something. Yes. Well, John, John Sawyer. <laughs> John Sawyer. No. Um, no. But no, please. do you guys, like, because when John meets her in Deus Ex Machina, obviously she's like gone a little off the deep end but she says that he was immaculate immaculately conceived and she never says his name like she i have a hold on it's possible that she i have yeah. a question why do okay 
doesn't it get revealed that that woman isn't actually his mom? No, it's revealed that she like worked with him to get John to do stuff, but I'm pretty sure it is his actual mom because okay. the PI that he hires like found stuff on her. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. Hmm. But the PI, like, I mean, if she worked with him, she must know what his real name is. Like, I don't know. But yeah, I think my theory is that she thought that his name was John and it's not even his real name, which is another tragedy (laughs) (laughs) for John is that he's like, I was named after my father. I just want a father. (laughs) Oh, no, my father stole my kidney. (laughs) Oh, God. My peepaw. (laughs) My peepaw. (laughs) On Lostpedia, it said Locke was born three months early and all of the women on the island seem to die three months before they give birth. So that's interesting. It also says both Ben and Locke become leaders of the others. Both had physiological problems with their spines. Both have mothers named Emily, whom they never really knew. Both have issues with their fathers and both were born prematurely. And uh, so sorry if your mom is not named Emily, then you don't have any chance of being the leader of the others. (laughs) (laughs) That's the pre prerequisite. That's the prerequisite, exactly. I find the like the Ben and Locke parallels, parallel, oh, parallels, mm-hmm. so interesting because like it's it's like yeah. they're almost brothers. You would like, yeah, yeah. Huh. Whoa, mm-hmm. weird. Yeah, all the Ben and Locke shippers are like, no, <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> I don't know. I just think they have a lot of things in common. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. It's, for, it's obviously not coincidence. And no, they're not brothers, but like they're not. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Canonically, yeah, no. but yes. I don't know. Reminds me of another yeah. pair of siblings that I'm not going to talk about. Mm. Okay. Jack and Claire. Yeah, Jack and Claire. <laughs> so. I keep forgetting. I, I always forget about that. Yeah. <laughs> Same. And there's, there's some... Well, that's the thing is that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that at the end of um like the last few episodes, uh, uh Claire like sees Christian and the audience goes, oh my gosh, she's seeing Christian. And then she goes, dad. And everyone in the audience goes, oh my God, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> But there's also another pair. Do we know about this? Other mm-hmm. siblings that they've never they've never interacted on screen, have they? Who? No. Is it and a No, we don't know that. Oh right, forgot about them. Yeah, we don't know that. So yeah, I cut this out. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that's one that I always forget. About. But it does happen. Like secret siblings. Yes, I'm with you. Yeah. So back at the hospital, uh, baby Locke is being incubated because he's just a little guy. And uh, <laughs> Emily and her mother are watching and uh, on the PA or whatever, Dr. Miller is being asked to call the switchboard because it's the 50s. <laughs> and uh, the nurse comes in and she calls her Mrs. Locke. So we do learn officially. And I think later she might, like earlier she might have said Emily Locke. So we learn that he like got his mother's last name. Yeah. Which we already sort of knew, I guess, but whatever. So she says, how is he? And the nurse says, he's amazing. He's the youngest preemie to ever survive in this hospital. He's had a million problems, but he got got past all of them. He's such a fighter. He's a miracle. And you can hold him for the first time today. I love the use of the word miracle mm-hmm. here and the word miracle with the Locke and Abaddon scene later. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, like he says, I don't believe in miracles when he himself was a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Beautiful. Incredible. So... Emily, like, runs out saying she can't do it. And um, I really quickly just wanted to say um, about uh, the woman who plays Emily's mother. So Locke's grandmother. 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 This actress is totally giving time period. Like, she's got, like, a timeless face. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, if she played somebody in, like, the Renaissance, I'd believe it. Like, she's really got a timeless face. Her delivery as well. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. When when the nurse is like, you can't smoke here. Like, her face. Mm -hmm. Everything, it's... Yeah, yeah. And her hat is also very um, interesting. (laughs) So her mother starts lighting a cigarette, like you said, and she's like, okay, who do I talk to about adoption? Like, as if she already expected this, you know, which she... 
I'm sure she did. But like, it is sad that she does not care. It's sad that she doesn't. First of all, she doesn't care, and then also that she like doesn't really believe in in Emily. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. So the nurse says, "Hey, man, uh, you can't smoke in here." And she goes, "Oh yeah, duh. Oops." <laughs> <laughs> what do you think was the purpose of that moment of the cigarette? It always sort of felt. Yeah, it always sort of felt a little bit out of, just sort of out of it for me. I I think it's... Why did they write that in there? Does it show how, like, careless she is? Like, what's the point of that moment? I think it could be her being careless and also, like, to, like, really showcase the time period. Mm. Oh, sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because now, obviously, no one would think about smoking in a hospital, but maybe back then. Yeah, is that you could smoke inside, so she just couldn't, she just forgot which building she was in, I guess. Yeah, that's Yeah, maybe it just shows her how, shows, like, how detached she is from the whole experience. Right, and even, like, self-centered, even, too. Like, uh, right, we're in a hospital, because this baby might die. Right. (laughs) Right. Right, sure. There was a little thing on Lostpedia, a little blooper that said, when Locke's grandmother goes to light up in the hospital, you can see lipstick marks on both ends of the cigarette. Um, Uh So they have done that take a couple of times. So we see a man outside the room and the nurse goes, is that the father? And like, oh my God, how insane would it have been if they had like turned around and it was like a young Anthony Cooper? I would have freaked out. No, no. Um, Not that this is like any less creepy, but she goes, no, I don't know who that is. And we turn around and we see that Richard Albert is watching through the window. It's so spooky because he looks exactly the same. Just like you said, Casey, in Mm -hmm. your summary, he like, oh, oh, he's so creepy. He looks so handsome. So handsome all the time. In this episode, specifically, I don't know why, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, very creepy. I I was freaked out. Yeah. Very much so. Little Maria. Little Maria Um, is adequately scared. (laughs) Yeah. So in 1961, so that means that Locke is five years old. He's playing Gak Gammon by himself (laughs) in... It's a hard word. Foster home. I know. He's so sorry. He's paying backgammon in his house. And freaking Melissa. Melissa. Oh, says his yeah. game is stupid. And I'm like, you're stupid, Melissa. What is her issue? Oh my God, this girl. You're stupid, Melissa. He, John was minding his business. Like, I know that this was not legend, icon, and star Jeannie, who is my favorite of Locke's foster sisters because she became a dog. Jeannie. Oh my God. <laughs> she's the best where's genie i think it would have been i forgot about genie so much cooler for it to have been genie yeah they probably forgot about like obviously i don't want genie to be mean but like to see genie that felt like a lost-esque thing that they should have done you know what i mean Mm. so is this the foster mom that believes that the daughter came back as a dog like is the one that is in the scene did he ever say that he was in more than one foster home i don't know but i feel like maybe he was I don't know. It makes sense if he, yeah. if he was. Yeah, and I can't remember if he said that Jeannie was younger or older than him as well. So it's. It, I think that this is the only time we see him in a foster home. So I would think yeah. that this must be the foster mother that thought that Jeannie became a dog. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> right, that If one. you guys don't remember, in Outlaws, yeah. which is like another thing that makes Outlaws one of my favorite episodes of this show, is the uh, this Locke monologue, one of my favorite Locke monologues, where he talks about like a person coming back through an animal, um, which is that his foster sister, Jeannie, fell off the monkey bars and died and became a golden retriever. Yep. And Sawyer and Kate are like, are you okay? <laughs> he's like, do you actually believe that? And he's like, oh no, <laughs> sorry. No, my foster mom did though. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, so I know that Melissa is not Jeannie, who's no, the best. Screw Melissa. Hey, screw Melissa. And so Richard is being brought in by his foster mom, and he says, it's raining cats and dogs out there. And uh, first of all, raining, obviously, being a, a theme. And the foster mom- It's raining cats and genies out there. <laughs> <laughs> Coming down. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Imagine if he said that and the foster mom was like, actually, we don't say it that. We say cats and genies. Oh, that's good. So she says, this nice man really wants to talk to you, so please be good. And Richard notices that he seems to understand the game of backgammon really well, which is impressive because I'm 28 and I don't understand backgammon at all. <laughs> yeah, it's no. <laughs> I don't understand it and I can't say it. Yeah. So he says, hi, I'm Richard and I run a school for special kids. Kids. And it, in the, it's so it's a reference to the X Men, and it's so basically he says, "I'm Richard John. I run a school for kids who are extremely special, and I have a reason to believe that you might be one of them." It's almost word for word a very common line spoken by uh, Charles Xavier or Professor X in the various incarnations of X Men when recruiting young mutants. This nice gentleman wants to talk to you, John. So I want you on your best behavior. Understand? It's all yours. You like backgammon? Yeah. Seem to have a pretty good sense of the game. I'm Richard John. I run a school for kids who are extremely special, and I have reason to believe that you might be one of them. Mind if I show you a couple really neat things? I've never seen the X-Men, and so, of course, to me, he said that, and I said, oh my god, it's giving Dumbledore. It's giving Dumbledore and Half-Blood Prince. <laughs> no Dumbledore. <laughs> That's it. So he says, can I show you some stuff? And he sees a drawn picture on the wall, and it looks like the smoke monster attacking the, a man. Okay. And he's got no hair, so it's maybe John himself. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> he says... <laughs> I have a lot of questions about that, and uh, we don't get an answer. Please. Like, no, we don't. We Straight don't. up. Like, I just want to know, like, if you have thoughts about that, because, like, why did he drew that? I think that, like, it's sort of showing that, like, I mean, obviously Richard knows about the smoke monster mm -hmm. already at this point, so seeing that is sort of a indication to him that Locke has maybe not some premonition-like abilities, but, like, is special in some way, for sure. Yeah, and I love that they use, like, when he sees a picture... We hear the, the smoke monster sound. Yeah, yeah. And it, it is very cool to see all of these things where Richard is like, continues to try and like test Locke because as of right now, we have no idea why that is. Why, yeah. But it is answered, which is really cool. It is answered in season five as to why he came. Yeah, I feel like, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I can't talk much about this scene because it is yeah. spoilers but once you realize why it's, oh, it's so mm -hmm. cool it's so cool and like that it's also answered like what the correct answer yes. was to his test as yes. well but yeah so for the as for the picture on the wall i think that it's just sort of a indication to richard that he's not 
coming here for nothing and that he's just not ready not necessarily that this kid is just a random normal kid yeah, yeah. also i guess kid john is so cute that act whoever plays him he's so cute he's so cute <laughs> he's so cute oh my god knowing that he's like 20 <laughs> how old is that kid now i don't know but i have no idea yeah but yeah he, since the guy didn't have hair in the thing i was like maybe it's himself getting attacked <laughs> by the smoke monster and john says that he drew it and uh hey what an interesting drawing to hang on the wall yeah you know like i feel like if i was the foster mom and i got this one i'd be like can you draw a rainbow instead or <laughs> like not this okay i got lots of stuff from lastpedia about this here so we have when richard alpert visits young Locke, we can see pictures of birds on the living room wall these appear to be the same birds that walt saw in his book oh. in special in season one and also uh richard has the same bag in the flashbacks that he does on the island in the present as we saw in the brig damn that's one durable bag <laughs> exactly no kidding <laughs> So the things that he gives him are a baseball glove, the book of laws, a vial of sand, a compass, a comic book, and a knife. A knife! So the comic book- A knife! (laughs) The comic book that Richard shows young Locke is Mystery Tales issue number 40, which was published in April of 1956 by Atlas Comics. The cover contains the text, What was the secret of the mysterious hidden land? And does it pay to ignore the voice of warning? Oh, spooky. Hmm. I'm sure that doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Yeah, they definitely didn't pick that for a reason. I would, I would have picked the comic. Yeah. <laughs> and it also says one of the items Richard shows Locke is the Book of Laws. Echo tells Locke the story of King Josiah who restored the temple after finding the Book of Laws and then reveals part of the orientation tape hidden inside a book. So what would you have chosen, Casey? Um, I think the sand. Mm-hmm. I was going to say the sand too, but it's because I love Lost so much. And so I'm like, but if I'm a character on Lost... I think I'm choosing the baseball glove. Hmm. I think that's what I'm going for. Yeah. Mm. I choose a comic. But I um, just like rocks and stuff. <laughs> I just like rocks. <laughs> yeah, that's fair, fair, fair. So I think I, think yeah. I would choose the sand. What do you mm-hmm. think is like the meaning be- behind the baseball glove? Like why? I feel like uh, all of those I things mean, have... I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, I mean, first of all, you know, Jack has this whole thing with baseball, but of course we're talking about Locke. Oh, that's true. I, I think that a baseball glove, like when you think about it, is very like, you know, play and catch with your dad. Yeah. And Locke like doesn't have a dad. So, and like has always yearned for like those father-son activities. So in my mind, that that's the only way I can make it make sense is that it's like, I don't know, that dad thing. Yeah, and he wasn't, like, because because he doesn't have, like, those memories or whatever, he wouldn't have mm-hmm. picked the glove. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did think it was uh, interesting that he only touches three of the things. He touches the sand, the compass, and the knife. Mm-hmm. And so he only touches, like, island-related things. Yeah. You know, like, he doesn't even touch the other stuff, which is very cool to me. Do we think yeah. that he chose th- uh, that he chose the the knife because he like the whole thing about like being a hunter and stuff? I think so, and I think what's interesting about that is when he chooses the knife. I think that the audience is like he got it right. Yeah, like yeah. the audience is meant to think like, oh my gosh, he did it. And then Richard goes against it and he says, no, that was wrong. And like, we know having watched the whole show that like what the correct answer was and um and why. But I feel like the audience is like, what the heck. If, if the knife isn't the answer, what is, yeah. you know? And Richard got pissed. Like, he just... Yeah, oh my gosh, I was like, hello, be nice, he's five! He snatched that knife out of his hand. Yeah, and then he gets... He, like, feels like a failure, and then his freaking foster mom's like, what'd you do? And I'm like, be nice to him! 
him. He's just pouting. Oh god, he's just a little guy. So I used that scene for my like yeah. um oh the the edit that I made of John. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the you're on your own kid yeah. edit that I made. Yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah. Oh, I know. And I used um I made a gift set uh about Locke and how tragic he was too. And I used a a moment from this scene as well. So, uh, jumping back a little bit, let me just make sure I got all of my notes. Um, Richard says, which of these things belong to you? And Log is like, oh my god, I get to keep something? And he's like, (laughs) no, no, sorry, which of these are already yours? Which is a great line. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it's like very creepy. Like the audience is like, what? Oh, it's so good. On Lostpedia, it said, the test given to young Locke by Richard Alpert resembles the Tibetan Buddhist ritual used to confirm a reincarnation. Oh. Oh? Oh, that's good. So creepy. (laughs) I love it. That's very interesting. Yes, yes. So he chooses the knife and Richard pissed that he got it wrong. <laughs> and um, and Richard tells his foster mom that John is not ready for the school. And she gets mad and he looks sad and it's a huge bummer. <laughs> it's, really, oh. it's a really sad moment. I was like, be nice to him. We didn't talk about the, 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 the name of the school. It's the same company that he used to recruit Juliet. Oh, right. Do they? I don't think he says the name of the school here, but the camp is in uh, the next scene with his. Um... Oh, right! It is the next scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. yeah. Speaking of, so Locke is stuck in a locker, haha, and bleeding. Not the haha. <laughs> and <laughs> it's Locke in a locker. Locke. It's funny. <laughs> and he's at Cowan Heights High School in Tustin, California, which is where. Locke is from. Um, so Cowan Heights uh, High School is a fictional school, but Cowan Heights is a real community in Tustin. Mm-hmm. So they created the school from a real um, like section of Tustin. On Lostpedia, it was pointed out that a Geronimo Jackson poster and a photograph of Sir Richard Burton, who is an explorer, are visible in Teenage Locke's locker. Hey, Locke, maybe you're a nerd because you have an explorer's picture in your locker <laughs> instead of a girl or... <laughs> <laughs> you absolute nerd. So, Mr. Galert, I think is how you pronounce it. I don't think they say it in the uh, episode, so I'm not sure how exactly. He's the science teacher, and he lets him out. And Locke is 16 years old. It's 1972, and there's cheerleaders who are laughing at him. And Mr. Galert says, get to class, and he's going to take Locke to the nurse. So, the teacher is like, do you want to talk about it? And Locke's like, no. <laughs> he's like such a snotty kid in this scene and like he's gone through so much hardship like i can't help but like get it i just you know yeah um it's very teenager so uh, mr galert says hey i know you're upset but i got a call from portland here we go and there's a company doing stuff in chemistry and new technologies it's called middleos laboratories and dr alper called and he's looking for bright kids to enter into new fields of science and they want you to go to their camp this summer obviously this is the island again middleos bioscience yeah. was what Jul- juliet yes. was joining we hear about alpert and all this stuff so it's another and portland as well so like yeah. It's Richard coming to try and like snatch John again, basically. Snatch John. I just want to say, snatch him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Richard is such a patient man. Like he is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh no, kidding. <laughs> like, well, yeah. Apart from like the obvious like thing, but um, yeah. he's just talking because he is stalking John throughout his entire life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Watching him for sure. He's waiting. Yeah. He's just waiting years and years. It is so crazy that like obviously this happened and we learned that. Richard has been watching John for a really long time after we meet Richard in season three and everything. And so Richard doesn't necessarily act. And like, how 
would Nestor have known? Mm -hmm. Like he knew John already, but it can totally still be read that way because Richard is so stoic, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, it's possible Mm -hmm. that- Wait, yeah. What do you think? What do you think? I don't know. Like, I'm trying to make sense of it, but like, it's so hard when it comes to like time travel and stuff. So like, make sense of it. Yeah. I feel like when Richard meets Locke, like in, I think- the brig i think you can probably read it as richard has been waiting for Locke. but as for if it was with anybody else it would be confusing but like would have richard would richard know know what would, would he have have like recognized Locke? well no matter what weird time travel stuff may happen in the future not saying anything <laughs> richard has never time traveled richard has what? always what? been on a one track line yes but would, would he have had... So for Richard, he has... But would he have memories of this is the question, yes. Yeah, that's the question. Because, like, yeah. we know... Uh, no, we need to talk about this in the spoilers. <laughs> like, I know. We do, yeah. I do I do think that he... Hmm. I think that the thing is that... Hmm. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, no, let's save it for... <laughs> never mind. Yeah. yeah, let's save it. Um, Are you going to write it down or should I? I'm writing it down. Okay, cool. Okay. I think that I've said this before, like on, not in Portland, but Middleos is an anagram that they did on purpose, um, which is uh, an anagram for lost time. So there you go. So teenage Locke goes, dude, science camp? That's why I get bullied. And Mr. Galert is like, but the opportunity, like they must've seen your display from the science fair. And Locke is like, no, I don't like science. I like boxing and fishing and cars and sports. And it's like, okay, toxic masculinity. And I'm like, you don't like any of those things. No, you don't. (laughs) You like puzzles. But he later works for a box company too. I'm like, yeah, you do like boxing, don't you, bud? Oh my God, Robin. (laughs) Fishing and cars and sports. And he goes, listen, I wish someone had told me this at 16. Maybe you don't want to be a science guy, but that's who you are. Which is a fair thing to say. These next things, I don't know if we say this to a kid. No, this was uncalled for, but yeah. It's so fair to be like, maybe you don't want to be a science guy, but that's who you are. And you should like lean into the things that you're like passionate about and the things that you're good at. That's fine. But then telling him that he can't be a prom queen, prom queen, queen. prom king, quarterback (laughs) or superhero. Like- that's too much, Mr. Galert. He can be a prom queen. Yeah, exactly. He can. <laughs> yeah. I believe in him. I just think that that's squashing, like, that's squashing his, like, dreams. And I don't like that. Yeah. It feels yeah. like a lot of, um... Like, he could try. Also, it's... Uh-huh. In inserting himself into the narrative. Mr. Mr. Galert, whatever. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Galert is... He was never... Galert. Is projecting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very much. Yeah, exactly. Also, I feel like the actor that they chose doesn't mm-hmm. look like a nerd like doesn't he looks mm. like he could be a jock oh like a quarterback if- yeah for young Locke. yeah yeah especially in mm-hmm. the 70s yeah 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 i believe that that's fair so he says don't tell me what i can't do which you're like yes good work <laughs> great Go self i know you're probably upset right now but i do have some exciting news for you i got a call from portland recently there's a company up there doing some very exciting things in chemistry and new technologies they're called Mitalos Laboratories. I spoke with a Dr. Alpert. He's very interested in finding young, bright minds to enter in these new fields of science. They want you to go to their camp this summer. Science camp? Yes. Don't you understand that things like science camp are the reason why I get stuffed into lockers? John, this is a great opportunity. How do they even know about me? Well, they must have sent a rep to the science fair. 
your display at Costa Mesa. I'm not a scientist. I like boxing and fishing and cars. I like sports. I'm going to tell you something. Something I wish someone had told me at your age. You might not want to be that guy in the lab surrounded by test tubes and beakers. But that's who you are, John. You can't be the prom king. You can't be the quarterback. You can't be a superhero. Don't tell me what I can't do. He doesn't even take the pamphlet with him. He leaves it, which makes sense because obviously he didn't go to that summer camp or else like he would have, mm-hmm. I don't know, been brought to the island earlier or something. And yeah, like I said, I, I get that that was like a reality check that you felt like you would have wanted. But like, I don't know if that's the thing to say. I don't think you say that to... No. I, don't, I think that's an inside thought. 17-year-old boy. Yeah. And, uh, but also it's very interesting to see John talk to an authority figure like that, you know, and not like the type of authority figure that Ray is, which is not. (laughs) Yeah, a real authority figure. But like, that's a teacher. Yeah. Like, that's a teacher. And like, that's what sucks is like, to know that like, Mr. Galur is even like, like thinking about what Mr. Galur has been through in his life to have gotten to the point where he needs to say this to this kid. He's even getting like, mowed down by his students, you know, like even his students don't seem to respect him enough to talk to him. Does that make, do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So I think this is the last one, right? Last. Yeah. Oh, wow. That went fast. (laughs) So we're flashing back to 2000 for this last one. Okay. Oh, right. And Locke is getting physical therapy after his accident that left him paralyzed. Um, The therapist is saying that he did a good job and he's done for the day. And his orderly is Abaddon, which is super spooky. We don't get the reveal just yet, Mm -hmm. but I just wanted to say, I'm not sure if this is, I think this might be the first episode that we were talking about Abaddon since Lance Reddick passed away. And uh, I mean, just like, thank you to Lance Reddick for all of the work he did on Lost. I think he was just so awesome and so talented. Yeah. So Abaddon says, don't give up. Anything's possible. And Locke is like... Like, well, I'm a pessimist, actually. (laughs) So you clearly haven't read my file because my spine was crushed. And there's a 98% chance I'll never get feeling back. And so I don't even know why I'm trying. And Abaddon says, you survived falling eight stories out of a building. And that's a miracle. Do you believe in miracles? And Locke says, no. Which, of course, we know Island Locke who absolutely does believe in miracles. And he was a miracle baby, like I said. And Abaddon says, well, what happened to me? So maybe you should. Hmm. I don't know what he's talking about. I assume that he's just like saying things to get Locke to think. I think he's just saying things. Yeah. Or it's just something we never learn about Abaddon. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, I do think he's just saying things, though, for sure. Like, he's acting in this scene to try and, like, put something in Locke's mind, yeah, obviously. And, uh, yeah, now, we, like, we know that he's tr- he's now the one who, like, brings up the walkabout. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So he's, try- he's trying to, like, I, yeah, manipulate him in a way to, like, do it. And he doesn't even go on that walkabout for four more years. Yeah. You know? So he goes and he's going to put him in the elevator, but before he does that, he, Dude. like, pushes him, like, right to the edge of the <laughs> stairs, which is a really weird place to put him. That's... The- this is another scene that I, like, when, when I was telling you the scenes that scared me. It's scary, yeah. Yeah, I mm-hmm. always, like, when I, okay, so whenever I think of Abaddon, the first scene that comes to my mind is this one. Like, oh, him mm-hmm. him just pushing Locke to the edge of the stairs, and me thinking, mm-hmm. oh my god, he's gonna push push him down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, when, like, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> it's scary. No. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. I would say mine is, and I guess this makes sense because it's the first time we ever see him, is that scene with Hurley oh, yeah. at Santa Rosa where he just like, the moment where Hurley starts like yelling and he just sits there looking mm-hmm. at him. Mm-hmm. Oh, Abaddon was so creepy. So Lance, creepy. you're a genius. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So Locke is like, hey, can I just go back to my room? Like, <laughs> I'm done talking. I'm sorry. I don't really want to have this conversation. And so Abaddon says, you should go on a walkabout. You're, it's like a moment of self-discovery in the Australian outback. And the reveal that he's the one who put it into Locke's mind is like so cool. I have so many questions about this. Mm-hmm. Because like, did he, did he know something? Like he put him on- Like, the, that's what's crazy. Like he put him on the plane, ba- t- like basically. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just, I, yeah, like- I don't know. I think- I think it's a Jacob thing, Mm. you know, like all of this stuff where people know things. So, and people like from the island or whatever too. I don't think we ever see Abaddon on the island, but he's like clearly somebody who's working with what's going on. Yeah. And he's, he said, I don't know when he says this, but I remember that at some point he, he basically kind of describes himself as someone who puts people where they need to be or like takes people where they need to be. That's the whole point of his character. I wonder if he said that in that scene with Naomi in Confirmed Dead, I think. I I don't remember. I'm not sure either. Um, But yeah, yeah, he's like a, oh shoot, there was a, um, I talked about this in a previous episode. Oh, I think, so there was an uh, an interview with Lance Reddick um, where somebody was like asking him about Abaddon and he uh, described him as a recruiter. Oh, yes. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's like a creepier Richard. Yeah, basically. (laughs) The Richard is creepy already, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so Locke is like, "Mm, okay, well, I can't walk about anything. So, (laughs) and Abaddon's like, okay, chill. I just wanted to say, you guys, you'll never believe this, but I started another rewatch with my friend Meta. Um, She like got halfway through season two and then stopped for a while. And so we've started at the beginning and we're going to go through the whole thing. It's really fun. I love watching with people who have never seen it before. Um, But so we recently restarted the whole thing. And so I just wanted to point out how interesting it is to see Locke say the exact same sort of things that Randy was saying to him, the crappy garbage things that Randy was saying to him in the flashbacks for uh, for walkabout. You know, Locke is saying, I can't walk about anywhere. And Randy was saying the exact same thing. I absolutely love that within these four years, like the within the four years of this flashback to the walkabout flashbacks, his complete... Uh, worldview on this has completely changed and I just I love that I think that's so interesting so he said I went thinking I was one thing and I came back thinking something else and I learned who I really was and I was like "Mm, yeah I don't think you actually went on a walkabout yeah but that's a good question like we know that Locke came like went to the walkabout or like the island thinking Mm -hmm. that he was like a hunter and like one thing Mm -hmm. he did come out like thinking something else Mm-hmm. That's true, yeah. And it's not like Abaddon didn't go on a walkabout because that's not what happens on walkabouts. I don't really know. I've never been on one. <laughs> but uh, I just don't think... I think he's just lying to get Locke to do stuff. Yeah. And so Locke's like, oh, wow, and you discovered that you're an orderly? And I'm like, first of all, people are more than their jobs, John. Yeah. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Chill out. He's so mean to Abaddon, who's being totally nice to him. And so he says, no, I'm more than that. I'm not gonna... <laughs> You know, I'm like, Locke, you're being kind of rude, but also you did think that he almost pushed you down the stairs. So yeah, maybe it's fair. Maybe it's fair. So he puts him in the elevator and he just lets him go up the elevator. So I guess someone else will help him when he gets up there. I assume. 
or he can roll himself to the to this room. He can, yeah, I guess he yeah. can like roll around. Yeah. And so then Abaddon says, okay, well, when you're ready, you'll listen. And then when you see me again, you'll owe me one. So yeah. creepy. Yeah. So creepy. And uh, we'll talk about that in the spoiler section. And uh, lastly, on Lostpedia, it said, it is suggested that Abaddon had some prior knowledge of Flight 815's yeah. eventual crash. Like, four years before it happened. That's what, um, yeah. Which is crazy. Ooh, spooky. And that's it. Wow. My, wow. like, my thing says it's been two and a half hours and I, it does not feel like no. that. <laughs> I feel like no. we just started talking. So that was really fun. Do you guys want to mention anything else before we go to segments? Uh, no non-spoilers. Yeah. Great. Cool. So now it's time for spoilers. Nope. <laughs> so now it's time for segments. <laughs> Um, and our first segment is our favorite line award. Luckily, Casey and Maria took the two that I was like, they have to be taken. So I got to take the funny one. Um, so mine goes to Ben, Locke, and Hurley for... How long? I don't know. I've been following him. What? What do you mean you've been following him? I'm not even in front. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. I love that moment. Oh, that's great. And my favorite line award goes to Ben and Locke for... But you'll understand soon enough that there are consequences to being chosen. Because destiny, John, is a fickle bitch. Oh, so iconic. So iconic. Yeah. And mine goes to Hurley and Locke with, uh... Whoa. What happened to him? He did. And then Ben just being shot. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) It's so good. I'm so glad you guys took those ones. Perfect. And now it's time for Casey's random award of the episode. Casey. (laughs) Don't get too excited. It's not that original, but I think it's just (laughs) fitting. It's Mm -hmm. um, how tragic is John Locke this episode? Mm -hmm. So tragic. So tragic. (laughs) So tragic. He's just the most tragic character. Ever. Yeah. To ever exist. Ever. Just to ever. To mm-hmm, ever. Mm-hmm. And not only in this episode, like the entire show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. Just a really tragic guy all around. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. so, he makes me so sad. Yeah. Our next segment is Man of Science, Man of Faith. We're talking about Locke today. Um, yeah. Locke is almost always a man of faith. Where can we find. Clearly not a man of science. <laughs> yeah. Cannot be bothered. Where can we find Man of Science Locke in this episode? Is there any Man of Science in Locke this episode? Mm-hmm. No. In fact, he rejects science when he says no to mm-hmm. the science camp. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh, good point. Yeah. Yeah, he says science is stupid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, no to science. I do, however, think it's interesting that uh, Abaddon sort of brings up, like, a faith-based thing and Locke rejects that as well. Oh, yeah, the miracle thing. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. true. But he is putting faith on that weird dream he had. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> the entire journey. Yeah, that is true. The entire journey to the to the cabin is like is absolutely faith. faith yeah you're right you're right yeah so not not much man of science lock this episode yeah clearly they have no idea where they're going <laughs> yeah but i also understand like him in the flashback with the whole abaddon uh conversation like he is recovering from a horrific thing like i don't think he would have yeah. faith in anything in that moment yeah exactly yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As for Hurley's Walkman, the single of Every Day by Buddy Holly and the Crickets was recorded in May of 1957, and it was not released until September 1957, which is over one year after Locke's birthday of May 30th, uh, 1956, which makes 
him a Taurus. Yeah. I don't know anything about signs. Which makes him a Taurus. That checks out with the stubbornness, I guess. No, Gemini, sorry. Which makes him a Gemini. Oh, Oh, that makes more sense. And it would be impossible for Emily to have been playing this record in the night of John's birth. (laughs) Whatever, timey-wimey. Unless the man... Was Buddy Holly. Was Buddy Holly. Was Buddy Holly. And he gave her an exclusive copy. <laughs> oh my god. Although. Yeah, that must be it. He died very, very young, so I doubt yes. he was twice her age. Yeah. It also said the closed captioning incorrectly stated the song playing at the beginning was Every Day by Don McLean instead of Buddy Holly, which would have put the time frame <laughs> circa 1973. Don McLean's oh. immensely popular 1971 song, American Pie, was inspired by Buddy Holly and it features the line, The Day the Music Died, which is a direct reference to the day he, along with Richie Valens and the Big Bopper died in a plane crash. Um, also very relevant to the s- to season seven of Riverdale. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you were going to say season seven of Lost. And I was like, um. <laughs> that doesn't exist, bud. <laughs> what season seven? <laughs> what do you know that I don't? <laughs> right. Uh, did they do the thing? The thing is when they say the name of the episode in the episode, they say cabin lots. But uh, really the title is sort of just a pun. Um, so no, yeah. but they did say cabin fever in a previous episode uh, in ji Um But that doesn't count. <laughs> All right, you guys, how likable is Jack this episode out of 10? We did have a scene with Jack in it. So what did you guys think? Honestly, that scene- Two out of 10. That scene didn't bother me that much because I kind of find it mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. It bothered me because he was just being so- Jack. Mm-hmm. It's like you have stitches. You just had major surgery on an island. Chill. Was nice to have a Jack break after. It was so nice. The so much Jack we got yeah. last episode. It was really like it was really whiplash when he showed up, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They still. <laughs> oh, you again. They still managed to put him in. <laughs> For yeah, like a second yeah. There. I know. They're just like Matthew Fox's contract says he needs to be in this many episodes, <laughs> so you get this little bit at the end. I'm gonna give him a three. I I I always start at five, and then I, I I'm going down because um he didn't listen to Juliet and continued to basically disregard her opinions as a doctor. Concerns, yeah, that's true. Continued to try and mansplain uh surgery and uh, and recovery. Yeah. So no, yeah. thank you. I'm gonna agree with you guys. Mm-hmm. What uh, what number would you give him? Like a two or a three. Yeah. Asexual queer. Whoa. Asexual <laughs> Faraday? Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? The answer is yes. Always yes. He's not in the episode, but I'm sure he's off being ace somewhere. Love yeah. that for him. How many episodes since the last knockout? Zero. Bonk. We are oh, down to oh, zero yeah. because uh, Michael got, uh, got, got. <laughs> he got, got this episode. Got super got. Our record is six. And, you know, what we say is on island. It was technically on the freighter, but what we actually mean by on island is not. A flashback. Like flashbacks or flash forwards. Right. Um, so we are going to count that one. Uh, does the episode pass the Bechtel test? Mm, no. <laughs> for sure no the only time two women have a conversation is like the first scene and with the uh like nurse and stuff when they're yelling about anthony cooper being a predator or talking about little baby john which i might count that one but i don't i don't think so but then they quickly talk about richard so right exactly exactly so we're gonna say no for that one am i forgetting a scene with two women in it no hmm. no there just isn't one none on the freighter because regina died and she yeah. was the only woman ever and naomi's dead and charlotte's on the island and the only woman who spoke was Juliet because Kate didn't have a line she was there but she didn't say anything yeah exactly and then that oh, other Claire. everything else was yeah that's true but nobody else no other women in that yep. scene and it was Locke Ben and Hurley the whole time yeah that's a it lot of, yikes a lot of men this episode 
it's crazy because I don't notice until we get to this segment. And that's why I love having it here. Yeah. Because I think it is important to mention. Yeah. Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. And thank you to the creators and community at Lostpedia. Without them, we would be lost. Our spoiler song was composed and produced by Francis Neves. Um, and thank you so much to whoever cooperated in the same place as us during this podcast. I thought that my aunt came home in the middle of the podcast, but it turns out it was just my Amazon package. (laughs) So thanks to my dog. Amazon, same thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So thanks to my dog for, for being chill. He's like, not this again. I record so many podcasts and he just sits there for most of them. And I do appreciate him. He's a good boy. My dog is also, he's just sitting there. Oh, she's mm-hmm. sleeping. Yeah. Um. Great. Thank you to my mom and dad yeah. for being kind of quiet. Thanks. They're the best. It's true. They are. If you are so inclined, please write us a review wherever you're listening or recommend us to a friend. Yes, that would be great. Uh, if you're a fan of The 100, we'd like to talk about that show too. Um, we should be in the midst of finishing up season two at this point. Um, we did seasons four to seven as they were airing and then we went back to do season three and now season two. Um, and we will end with season one and then it'll be done. Uh, if you're a fan of Riverdale, we'd like to talk about that show too. Like I said, y'all, we finished it. It happened. The first episode that we ever put out as the aficionados was the Riverdale pilot and it is over, which is crazy. Uh, I, I can offer you a tiny little package of every single Riverdale episode as a podcast episode, but we will be doing a uh, rewatch podcast um, starting next summer. A rewatch? Oh my god, you guys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, More information on the, in the Riverdale finale podcast episode. Uh, If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. We should be um, in the midst of continuing season four, but we did seasons one to three and they're all done. So go and check out those too, please and thank you. You can follow at The Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram. Uh, Mostly twitter but robin does make gifts of our favorite line words on tumblr and also be sure to check out our tiktok because robin yeah. also works very hard there making tiktoks it's true i have fun making little tiktoks <laughs> <laughs> they're really great i it's a form of advertising and i'm trying my best even though we don't get that many views i enjoy them i still have fun making them like i said earlier our patreon is patreon.com slash the aficionados if you like what we do here please consider donating because it's expensive with our money and expensive with our time so we'd really appreciate your help over there if not check out our small businesses they're all in the description or recommend us to a friend because it's free and we have so many podcasts to offer you thanks love you um you can follow me personally at robin e jeffrey that's r-o-b-y-n-e-j-e-f-f-r-e-y pretty much everywhere and you can follow me on twitter at casey watches tv c-a-s-e oh my god c-a-s-e-y-w-a-t-c-h-e-s-t-v you know yeah and thank you to maria for joining us yay yay where can we follow you you can follow me on twitter at juliet's burke and on instagram at dharma stark yay so i uh, highly recommend at the beginning of the podcast Casey, you mentioned your let your uh, letterbox, and I was like, oh, I also have one of, the, one of those. Yeah, mm-hmm. mine is all, also Juliet's work. Is it? No, you. Okay, no, perfect. wait, no, no, it's not. <laughs> it's Oceanics. Yeah, that's what it is. Oh, you got Oceanics there. Oh, you got it on that one. Perfect. Yeah, I got it on this one. Yeah, not on Instagram, but I have it on this. <laughs> yes. Um, you can also follow me on Letterbox, even though I don't watch that many movies. Um, it's Robin E. Jeffrey, pretty much everywhere. <laughs> Um, it's always Robin E. Jeffrey. If you like sign up for a new social media website and you're like, might as well see if Robin's on here. That's the username that it'll be. Someone should snatch that username just for fun. No! <laughs> no! 
I feel like I was so late to Blue Sky when everybody was signing up to Blue Sky because you need to code or whatever. And I was like, uh, it's going to happen. <laughs> someone wants it. The way they, they've had... How the heck do I follow right. someone? They have so mm-hmm. many, so many like new apps and then none of them, like they all die after a week. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I know. It's like, I, I now have like a bunch of like backups if it ever like straight up shuts down. But like, I'm always going to be on that one... <laughs> Yeah. Like, you're gonna have to lock me out for me to stop using Twitter. Yeah, no, me too. Truly. It's so bad. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, that's where my life is, has been for, like, 13 years, so that's yeah. how it's gonna have to be. Uh, our next episode is episode 412, which is There's No Place Like Home Part 1. We are, I think, in January gonna put up uh, me and Casey redoing our bracket, because we always take a break for January, and then this episode with uh, Selena Wilkin um, is going to be up in February. Yep, we've had Zelina on before. I don't think she has the same username as she did before, but um, she's always super awesome. So I'm very excited to have her. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Spoilers. Welcome. Yay. Okay. Wow. Finally, we can breathe. I'm always so scared that I'm going to say something that I shouldn't. (laughs) Yeah, thank God this isn't live. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a real bummer. Yeah. Real quick before we get started, uh, just a, uh, like, general point on Lostpedia. It said, this is Emily DeRaven's last appearance in the original On Island timeline until (sighs) season six, What Kate Does. So tragic. So we'll see her in, like, the flash sideways um, in LAX. But we don't see her on the island until season six now. I thought you were going to say this was like her last appearance. And I was like, that's not right. No. <laughs> every, to- every time I say something, Maria's like, Robin's about to say something false. <laughs> like, uh, what do you think of me? Okay. Um, let's see if I have spoiler section notes for the jungle storyline. I'm sure you guys do. Oh, do you guys think that Horace is building the place for that other woman from man behind the curtain or amy oh i thought amy oh yeah i thought amy too so in in basically if you guys forget in season five horace is like i think both amy and horace are married and then amy's husband dies dies. i don't know what happens to horace's wife who he had in man behind the curtain when ben first shows up who was the one in the car with him and also the teacher. No, it has to be Amy. When Ben got there? It has to be Amy because if yeah. he's building the cabin or when, the, he died. Uh, when he died, yeah, then it has to be Amy. Yeah. And then and then he like gets with Amy in season five. And they have Ethan. Um, so I assume it's Amy. And then they have Ethan. Oh my god, the fact that Horace is Ethan's dad every oh my gosh. The the freaking family trees on this show. Ugh. Also, isn't isn't there like a discrepancy with the um, cause he says that he's been dead for 12 years, which means that the purge mm. was in 92, but I mm-hmm. feel like there was also like a continuity error with that date. I remember that. But I remember what, I don't remember what it was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Okay, let me look. The purge, Lostpedia page. Once again, the people of Lostpedia. It's incredible. This God is the sense. best Wikipedia ever any other like fandom wikipedia that i ever go on is never good enough because we have been absolutely spoiled with lostpedia i love lostpedia there's a page for everything like for everything a pencil there will be a page they're like what this character that was mentioned once and we never see here you go (laughs) 
And here's some theories about them. Like, heck, Melissa has her own page. Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> Freaking Melissa. You're stupid, Melissa. Jenny the dog. Jeannie the dog probably has a, a page too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, it says disputed canon. So it happens on December 19th, which is Ben's birthday, obviously. Yes. It's either 1987 or 1992. So here's the it's, here's what it says about the year discrepancy. After his appearance on the Hatch a Lost podcast in December 2019, director Bobby Roth released the script of Man Behind the Curtain to the hosts who released it publicly. The script confirms that the original intended date of the purge was 1992. This date is disputed by supplemental material for the series suggesting or naming it to be 1987, and the writers have supported this. Nonetheless, there is a large amount of in-universe canon supporting the purge's 1992 date. So in 1987, this date explains why Danielle Russo's team did not not find other survivors immediately after they were shipwrecked on the island in 1988. Oh. I'm reading this straight off Lostpedia, okay, by the okay, way. So yeah. this is all all Lostpedia stuff. Thank you to Lostpedia. I'm not thinking these things by myself. This would ha- leave no unanswered questions of why Dharma's message at the radio tower was changed by Rousseau and then left unchanged for the next 16 years she spent on the island. When Danielle arrived in 1988, several of the others appeared to be living in the jungle. And then there's some out-of-universe stuff about the ARG with Lost Experience and the Lost Encyclopedia. The, lo- the 2010 Lost Encyclopedia did dates the purge to 1987, but uh, I don't believe anything the Lost Encyclopedia says because there are so many discrepancies and incorrect. Yes, there are. Okay. Things in the Lost Encyclopedia. Okay, so 1992 then. Yeah. So it says suggested evidence about the 1992. Danielle's survival in the purge is a supportable claim to the 1987 date. However, other Dharma animals survived the purge and the poisonous gas released in the barracks was not wide scale to the entire island as the producers have confirmed in the past. As for 1992, Kelvin Inman who served in the Gulf War from 1990 to 91, eventually joined Stuart Rudzinski at the Swan at some point after Kelvin's service in the Middle East had ended. So that would have made sense that it was 1992. Ben's watch that he checks before killing his father in the Purge is a Timex Easy Reader Indiglo analog wristwatch. The Indiglo backlight feature was introduced in 1992 in Iron Man watches and eventually spread to other Timex pieces. When Horace Goodspeed appears to lock in a dream, he states he's been dead for 12 years before Mm -hmm. 2004, which is 1992. Ben's then 52-year-old actor, Michael Emerson, appears to be more closely de-aged to a version of Ben in his early 30s as opposed to his mid-20s, if it was 1987, during the Purge sequence depicted in The Man Behind the Curtain. Ben states in the 2010 epilogue, the new man in charge, which I can talk about because we're in the spoiler section. I just, <laughs> I just freaked myself out so bad for a second there. <laughs> Talking about the epilogue, I was like, whoa, I can't talk about that. That the Dharma Initiative has not existed in nearly 20 years, which would be eight. So that would have been 18 years since 1992, as opposed to over 20 years, which would be the more appropriate line for the purge occurring in 1987. This chronology, however, leaves some unanswered questions about Danielle Rousseau's backstory, i.e. why the radio tower message was not intercepted for 16 years if Dharma was active for the next four years after after her 1988 arrival. Mm. It also leaves questions of where Ben left his four-year-old adoptive daughter, Alexandra, during these events, or whether he did not raise her until after this, if she lived with the hostiles. It is, however, possible that the natives, mm, I hate that, but they did call them that at the, um, in, the, yeah. in the show, seized control of the tower sometime before Rousseau's 1988 arrival, following negotiation from their long-documented periods of territorial disputes. The depiction of Paul, Amy Goodspeed's first husband's death as a result of the 1973 truce being violated is an example of these territorial disputes. I agree. And I, so I do think that it's happening in 1992. Yeah, me too. Because if Ben, Ben would not be leaving Alex with the hostiles for, for several, for four years, that would not happen because Widmore himself was like, I'm not taking care of this freaking baby and wanted to kill her. Yeah. 
there's just more so anyway that was a lot of information but i think that canonically it's 92 yeah there's more canonically like canon evidence that it's 90 yeah. for sure okay yeah anyway sorry that was a lot of information but it was very important to me <laughs> So, yeah, speaking of the purge, uh, Ben talks to Hurley about the purge and how it wasn't his decision. It was the leader's decision. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say Widmore, I'm pretty sure. Was Widmore the leader in 1992 or was he? Because he wasn't gone already. Because when we see him being banished, was it Richard? Oh, I think it was. I thought that Richard, I assumed that Richard was still sort of like a secondary like he is now. And that there was an actual leader because at some point during the 70s when we go and find, and it's like Eloise and stuff and Widmore is there, then it, it's like Wid, uh, Richard is still sort of like a secondary. Huh. Wait, in the 70s, who's the leader? I think it was Eloise and Widmore maybe. But Widmore? No, Widmore's like young. Yeah. Oh, it's in the 50s when, when, when Richard is leader, right? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, because in the 70s, I, I, I'm thinking about when Dan dies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they go to there and uh, when they go to there and... Um, but I'm thinking of when the... And Eloise and Widmore Purge actually happens. The one that helps Ben is Richard. Because he like yes. takes off his mask and stuff. So that's what I thought. Of. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I think that they just didn't want to reveal that it was Widmore yet. Okay. that Widmore's ever been to the island. I don't know. This is the only way I can make it make sense. Okay, yeah. Okay. Christian says, no, I'm not Jacob, but I can speak for him. I say, I don't think you can. <laughs> I, and I don't think he would appreciate that no. due to this being MIB. Yeah, no. I can totally speak for Jacob. No. <laughs> talking about- But you're going to. Talking about that scene. Mm-hmm. Why do we think- So it's MIB and he, want, he, he wants Locke to move the island. Why would he want that? Like, is it just because he's the one that that is like, it might be wants to get rid of the whole like candidates thing. Right. But he doesn't want the island to be destroyed, question mark. But he wants to leave the island. Right. He wants to leave. So is he not able to leave the island? Like what? I can't remember in season six what the what the like rules are for MIB being able to leave. Mm. But I wonder if there's like he can't leave if the island is destroyed or something. Like, I can't remember what the what the rules are. What I thought was maybe it's a setup. Like he, because we know that once you move the island, you get off the island. Oh, oh my God! <laughs> my there he goes. Sorry, my aunt's home. Are you sure it's not Amazon? <laughs> no, I am sure. <laughs> I got scared. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, little Maria. <laughs> Not Lil Maria. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I thought that maybe it was a setup. Sorry, what were you saying? Yeah, that it was a setup because like he's kind of like getting rid of Locke, which is one of like the strongest candidates on the island. Mm. Oh, dude, you're totally right. Because what happens when you move the island? Yeah. You get sent to freaking Tunisia. Yeah. So he didn't expect Ben to do it, who's totally not a candidate. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So he kind of like pursued yeah, yeah. Locke to do it, and so in that way he can like yeah, I see that get Locke out of the way, or mm-hmm. it also sets up the you know when Locke leaves I mean not like Man in Black would know but Locke like Locke leaves because he sent him away by moving the island and then Locke dies and MIB can become Locke yeah 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 (laughs) weird yeah I mean I'm with you I um my aunt brought me a Starbucks (laughs) my mom brought me a margarita because Jimmy Buffett passed away yes I heard that that happened so nobody nobody brought me anything (laughs) I'm so sorry sorry. (laughs) I'm home alone. Um, and your dog did what about this? Like, what the hell? Absolutely nothing. So rude. Um, the last thing that I have is um the foreshadowing of the chocolate, the Apollo bar. Yeah. Like, it's like the first time that we see like a, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like Ben and Hurley kind of interacting. And we obviously know that they're going to become like first and second in command for like mm-hmm. the island. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's a good point. A beautiful moment. The only other thing I had about the storyline was that it's crazy to think that, like, you know, we see Claire and MIB in this, and Claire does eventually realize that uh, it's not her dad. Like, when we see her in season six, she's, like, pretty mm-hmm. adamant that they're just her friend. It's not necessarily her dad. Especially, like, when MIB becomes Locke, Claire recognizes it as the same person. And so it's crazy to think that when we see her in season six, she's been best friends with MIB for three full years. And that's how brainwashed she's been. Like, when we said brainwashed, it kind of was true. Yeah, that was the first, you know? like, word that I thought of. Because just the way that she yeah. was acting was so strange. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Let's see. As for the freighter, Desmond says that he's never going back to the island. Bad news, bud. Yeah. And my, my bad news man and I'm really sorry. <laughs> I for a second I like I stopped to think does he go back? Yes, he does. Yeah. It's not like I mean he doesn't choose to go back, so like I feel bad for him. Um but at least he does like reunite with Penny and everything and beautiful stuff happens, but he does end up back on the island yeah. for sure. And about that scene, I found it interesting that he says so him and Juliet have been on the island for the same amount of time. And he yeah. says that he's never going back, like he's never setting foot there again. And that's mm-hmm. fair. Like, I, would, I wouldn't I would either. Yeah. But it reminded me that I think in the next episode or, like, the finale, Juliet says, so they're trying to put the people, like, on the boat to get them on the freighter. And Juliet says, I'm not I'm not leaving until I get everybody off this island. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. And I think it's two interesting perspectives of, like, they've, like they've been there for the same amount of time, but they've, they think about it, like, kind of differently. Both are mm-hmm. valid and both make sense. But I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. No, that is, that is a good point. Um, and definitely telling mm-hmm. about them. You know, Desmond and Juliet are very linked in my head because of the way they were both introduced and how yeah. they both have such iconic introductions. So, um, yeah, that's very cool. Um, and also, you know, Desmond is, like, canonically, historically known as a coward. And we all know how damn brave Juliet is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? The thing on Kimi's arm. It, it's hard to know what to talk about in the spoiler section and what is just a plot point, you know? <laughs> so there's not really much discussion to have about it, but basically like, hey, if you kill Kimi, the whole boat blows up. And that's what the thing is. Yep. And he's basically just using it so that just as a bargaining chip, basically. What I really love is that you will not notice it the first time that you're, that you're watching. But like when you go back and watch, Galt, he... When he gets shot, he also shoots, you know? Mm-hmm. And you don't really notice it until you go back because in the finale, it's such a major problem that the stray bullet hit the helicopter right in the gas tank and it's going to be a major problem in the finale. Oh. And you don't really notice. Oh, I did not catch that. No. Yeah, you don't really notice until you're rewatching and you're like, oh crap, yeah, that's where that went. Wow. Yikes. Yeah. Also, what I was going to mm-hmm. say about um, when you were, you were talking about um, Kimi killing his boyfriend, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought about the people who ship Ben and Locke. Yeah. Like the same, like Ben kills Locke. Yeah. Oh, oh. true. <laughs> yeah. You know what, you guys? It just happens. Wow. Lost really has a trope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're just like, ugh, angst. Yeah, for sure. Ugh. Lapidus gets handcuffed to the helicopter, which of course reminds me of Jin and reminds me of uh, of Michael in this episode. Um, but they handcuff him and they leash him up like a dog because they can't have him running away. You know, they can't kill him, but they know he doesn't want to do this. And so Lapidus can stop them from, like, they, they'll find him on the freighter. But on the mm-hmm. island, if they want to go back to the freighter, he could just book it. Yeah. And they'd never find him. The power that he has. You know, so that's why they that's why they do that. Okay, as for the flashes. 
Uh, okay, so the answer to the test, it's the compass. Yeah, yeah, it's the compass. When they're jumping through time, John tells Richard to, like, come and visit him in the 50s. He says, like, I'm getting born in, like, two years or whatever and go find me, which is a crazy line. And uh, he, like, gives him the compass and there's, like, a whole thing with a paradox with the compass that the compass was never actually created because, like, Richard gives it to Locke in season six in, like, a flash and then Locke gives it back to Richard, like, the 50s or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's, with the time travel, the compass is never actually created by anything. Interesting. It's crazy. So insane. So, like, that's it. That's the compass. Abaddon says, when you see me again, you'll owe me one. And they see each other again in season five in The Life and Death of Jeremy Bentham. Wow. He, like, helps him out and Locke is back in a wheelchair. Yeah. And Abaddon's working for Widmore, which tracks and i think we could probably and then abaddon gets run over yep by by richard (laughs) richard (laughs) (laughs) richard yeah yeah anything else for the flashes you guys yeah what we were gonna mention it was the what was that um oh richard like remember the fact that Locke visited him oh yeah in the 50s it's like for me but i don't think so for me for me the lock stuff makes sense like because Locke is supposed to be like special or whatever and Richard if Richard doesn't remember the 50s stuff then it doesn't make sense that he kept coming to Locke and like at what point did he forget those things him forgetting like talking to Sawyer and stuff in Lafleur that clearly happened he does not remember Sawyer when he meets him again like that does not make sense just- right but for Locke I feel like he remembers Locke I just really feel like he does I don't know I'm just trying to think of like the logic like lost logic with time travel because how is he going to remember when it hasn't happened for Locke? Because time is like a straight line and like whatever happened, happened. That's what I mean, but but it, it hasn't happened yet. But it happened for Richard because Locke was back in the 50s. Oh, that's true. And Richard's life has just been one line. Oh, that's true, that's true. So it happened. Okay, yeah, maybe he does remember. Yeah, I think that Richard remembers Locke. Somehow Richard does not remember everybody else in the 50s like when like he literally like talks to kate and uh, sawyer and like helps ben in the temple and they say he's never going to remember anything so like i almost feel like and we have to do this like at the end of season five when i can look at it a little bit more deeply but i wonder if do they see richard again after they take ben to the temple they do don't they because I was like, maybe yes. Ben, maybe Richard also forgets because he went with Ben. But I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think we see him after that. Yeah, we see him in season six. Yeah. Because he has that very funny line. Well, yeah, but not in the, but not in the 70s. Oh, not in the 70s. That's right. right. Because he like goes and like helps them get into whatever. And then he knocks off, knocks, knocks out Eloise. That happens after he takes Ben into the temple, right? Mm. I think so. I think so too. So I, it does not make sense that he remembers like Sawyer and Kate and everything when he meets them in season three or whatever. Yeah, because he like leads, that's when he leads. But Locke makes sense to me. Jack and, and Saeed. Yeah, but I think he remembers Locke from the 50s. I really do. Yeah, and I mean, if he stalked him for <laughs> most of his life, he must remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. It's so crazy. But obviously, I mean, there's no way There's no way of knowing because obviously the writers themselves and Nestor didn't know. How, they did not know. So and how would yeah, they? Yeah, you can't go back and analyze those scenes because like you just, you can't. Yeah. There's, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's so crazy because like some episodes of this podcast, I'm just like, okay, I have two points and that's the spoiler section. And then sometimes I come in and it looks like this, you know? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um, thank you so much to Maria for joining us. Yay. Icon. So happy to be here. <laughs> I feel like 
I always feel like Maria is the only person who truly understands me when it comes to Lost. <laughs> I feel that yeah. way about you. So really, yes. uh, it's just because we've been doing this for so long, and like obviously, you know, so long, so long. <laughs> I'm not out here trying to be like, so Casey, you should leave or anything, obviously, but like. You know. Maria is a, an icon, a lost legend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> she helped build this fandom. Oh, please. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know whose company I'm in. <laughs> yeah, but I always love talking to you because I feel like, like, I can say the, like, smallest, like, lost thing and... For other people, not even necessarily Casey, because I think Casey does remember a lot of things. But like other people, uh, I have to like explain, re-explain it, which is fine. But I'll say one thing, and Maria will be like, "Yeah, yeah, I remember that." Um, <laughs> yeah, okay, and then we'll just keep going. Like I just feel like you're, you're like the only person I know who's like on my level, and I'm sure other people are. But like me and Maria, we talk all the time. <laughs> I'm sure there's people that are even crazier. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. I mean, the people who built Lostpedia. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> although. So, to my own credit, I oh. do have an account and I do sometimes go and fix things. <laughs> See, I've never done that. So, yeah. I think you won. So, oh, look at me. All right. Maria, thank you. Um, if you guys want to, and I'm so excited to have you on for LaFleur next. LaFleur. Oh. I can't, I still can't believe I've, I got that episode. Me, I, me too. <laughs> I was just like, well, someone else had grabbed it. Yeah. And then I was like, then you were like, can I have that one? And I was like, oh no, someone else had grabbed it. And it was somebody who had never been on the podcast before. So I was like, oh, Maria deserves this. I feel so bad. And then that person like bowed out and I was like, ah, this is my <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> So we fixed it. Um, and so I'm excited to have you on for that. Everything is right in the world. Uh, if you guys want to follow um, us and the aficionados, uh, you can find all of that information in the description. Our Patreon, like I have been saying, is patreon.com slash the aficionados. I hope you guys have a wonderful holiday season. Oh my God. <laughs> it is the beginning of September, <laughs> but this is coming out uh, at the beginning of December. So enjoy. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. Um, and uh, we will be back for a regular episode in February where we will uh, start handling the finale. Wow. Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! Love you, bye! It is coming down like cats and dogs out there. <laughs>